How to be punk. You don't have to have something to rebel against to be a punk. You just have to look like you do. You will need punk music, punk hair, punk clothes, punk accessories, multiple piercings, and tattoos. Optional. Bright makeup. Step one. Pick a punk subculture. There's straight edge punk, glam punk, crust, ska punk, skinhead, skater punk, pop punk, goth punk, and bubblegum punk. Step two. Play punk music. Loudly. There's classic punk like the Ramones and the Sex Pistols, and current punk like Blink-182 or Good Charlotte. Step three. Wear punk clothing. Horizontally striped shirts, leopard print tights in candy colors, super skinny jeans, tight tees printed with names of obscure bands, and black leather. Step four. Accessorize with safety pins, lots of zippers, spiked wristbands, bondage buckles, bullet belts, chokers, and chains. Step five. Wear Converse high tops, checkered vans, classic slip-ons, or combat boots. Go to Google Images and punk clothing websites for ideas. Step six. Have your hair cut into a mohawk and dyed in different rainbow colors. Or shave your head. Step seven. Have something on your face and body pierced. Lips and nipples are popular areas. Female punks wear colorful makeup, and lots of it. Step eight. Get a tattoo. Preferably of a punk band, an anarchy symbol, skull and crossbones, or anything that symbolizes rebellion. Place it anywhere on your body. The more surprising the location, the better. Step 9. Meet your peeps at punk rock concerts and look angry. Or just hang out in public somewhere, looking bored. Two minutes and 15 seconds after the hour of five in this, the month of April. In the year of our Lord, 2009, thank you for coming along and making it part of your listening day. We are live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of Rock 101 KUFO. This, my friends, my amigos, my compadres, this is the Rick Emerson Radio Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is uh, Wednesday. Thank you for coming by. 503-733-2970 if you would like to uh, be part of today's show. 503-733-2970 if you would like to weigh in with your comments, questions, clarifications, ruminations, ponderings, musings, or whatever it is you might have. It's 503-733-2970. Greg Nibbler is standing by, ready, willing, and able to pass along your observations about anything at all, including this headline, which is on the front of the Oregonian today. This is not how you want to be introduced to the uh, to the Oregon uh, public. Just says in huge. This is the these are the biggest letters on the front page. It just says, "Legislator pushes to shut school for the blind." I have. I don't even really know who they're talking and about. Then we'll take away wheelchairs of the handicapped. I have no idea who they're even referring to here. She's from Corvallis. I just well that explains it all, doesn't it, Tim? I just know that her day has gone from uh, from good to, to bad. And her career has probably gone from stable to not. She's House Education Chairwoman uh, Sarah Gelser. I don't know anything about her, but she's now my sworn enemy. Why? She hates the blind. It's clear from this article. And you know, by the way... Bad karma. 
I'm just going to, if you're working at the Oregonian or, you know, wherever, as soon as you see something buried on page 572 that just, and will close the school for the blind, you have a good day happening because you know what your next uh, day's headline is going to be. You already know what the lead shall become. All right. It is uh, 503-733-2970 if you would like to join us today. You can also email if you like. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at rickemerson.com. Sarah with an H at KUFO.com. Tim at KUFO.com. Or we figure out that it's not, it's not Greg Nibbler. It's just Nibbler at KUFO.com. Yeah, which is such an awesome email. Which sounds like, I have to say this, it sounds like a fake radio name. I mean, if you were to sort of... Because it sounds like a it sounds like a verb or a you know or a noun or whatever but you know it sounds you know like there's always a guy there's always a guy on the, on the staff named like trench coat or something <laughs> like a guy who doesn't have an actual real name they've just given him the name that belongs to an object what's your name my name's lugnut all right okay this is our evening guy lugnut or mudflap or mudflap or catfish or pickle. Uh, and so he is none of those things. He is, in fact, uh, Greg Nibbler. But it's uh, Nibbler, K-U-F-O, dot com. Anywho, uh, today's uh, show will feature the following bits of amusement. Jim Roop from CNN Radio Los Angeles will be joining us today. We went from kind of caring about Anna Nicole Smith a few years ago to not caring about her at all to actually forgetting that she'd ever lived, I think. And you know who else I forgot about? Sarah pointed this out. I forgot about that kid, uh, Daniel. Was that her son? Yeah, he died like a couple months before. I totally forgot because I found that magazine from a couple of years ago. That's right. We found it. It was like a People magazine or an Us Weekly or an In Touch or something from... I had, borrowed it from my gym. We should... And by borrowed, do you mean stole? Yes. Good for you. What was it still doing at your gym two years later anyway, really, no is the question. I have no idea. You know, it was genius. That was like right after Britney Spears shaved her head and went completely bonkers. It was just yeah. so neat. And it's like, Those were good Rihanna times. and Chris Brown... They're just good friends. They found love at last. <laughs> Happy together forever. We should do a whole segment called uh, News That Is Retroactively uh, Unfortunate. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, like where you would read, here's what we can do. We can do, we can make this an ongoing bit. It'll be uh, retrospectively depressing news. And then we can get a really happy music bed and we can read O.J. Simpson's wedding announcement from 1992. Because it'd be funny. Yes, it would be. Uh, maybe not that funny. In any event... Uh, I completely forgot that what's his name, uh, Daniel Smith, Anna Nicole Smith's kid, had even existed. But I guess because remember there was even a time when we were questioning if he might be the father of her unborn child. Is that true? Are we doing that? Yeah. Yes. It was very serious. That sounds like the kind of thing we'd do. All right. Yeah, well, it was kind of crazy then. What's weird is then we had that whole same conversation later with Sarah Palin and that uh, the kid that Bristol Palin was going to have. Which, by the way, I, you know, I saw photos of Bristol Palin later on. I have to say that she never really did look all that pregnant. I'm just, I'm just my own personal assessment of the situation. And, and so inexplicably, Anna Nicole Smith is back in the news or something. But it's it's like a, it's a double shot of stories from like five years ago that I kind of quit caring about. Uh, but Jim Roop will make them entertaining because that's what he does. It's uh, Anna Nicole Smith and uh, Phil Spector. Let's see. Uh, Amanda Moyer from uh, the CNN Radio Center uh, in Atlanta will join us later on as well. Plus, uh, we have uh, Harold Perrineau, formerly of Lost, also of uh, HBO's prison series Oz some years ago. He was also in Romeo and Juliet. He was also in, I think, the second and third Matrix films. I mean, I, I, Sarah's got Lost questions. I've got Oz questions. And then, uh, I don't know, then I'm going to ask him. He's got, I think he's doing an animated series as well. So cool. that'll be coming up later on today. Also, uh, the lovely uh, Anna Ferris will be joining us because she's in Observe and Report, which is that, which I have to say, I had sort of, I was sort of, I had kind of mixed feelings about it just based on the trailer because it looked so similar to Paul Blart Mall Cop. 
And I guess they were actually filming at the same time, and the film crews know each other. And apparently, if you watch Paul Bar... What? You cannot get that name out. Just say Mulcock. I don't think anybody can, but it's become a quest. I saw a whole article online the other day about the name of that movie and how that was... Because I think it opened real strong and then just sort of vanished. And they did blame it squarely on the fact that nobody could say the name of the film out loud, and therefore they wanted to quit saying it after a while. It became kind of like saying... um, it was like ordering the the Rudy Tootie fresh and fruity or something. It was a phrase you didn't want to find yourself uttering. But apparently if you watch that Paul Blart Mall Cop movie, there is a line in there where one of the characters actually says something to the effect of, Well, I guess I'm just gonna go out and observe and report now because it was it was known that the two movies were, were filming at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so there was, I guess, kind of a uh, a friendly rivalry happening between the two. Anyway, so uh, Anna Ferris is in Observe and Report. She was in House Bunny, Scary Movie. She was in Entourage, too. She was in a couple episodes of Entourage, I think, the season before last. And so, she was in all those, like, scary movie parodies and right. all that stuff. Yeah, well, she was in at least the first one. And I think maybe, because she did the Nev Campbell thing, right? Mm. She had, the, the like, the short black hair with the Nev Campbell role. No, I, I think she had blonde hair in it. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, yeah, because they're parodying so many movies. Now I don't know. I have to figure it out. All right. So uh, Anna Ferris is going to be coming up uh, in the 8 o'clock hour. We will also have another pair of tickets to see Pennywise as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour. That's uh, coming to the Roseland April 14th. And you'll be uh, if you win that, you'll be qualified to win a uh, massive pile of things, including but not limited to a custom Jägermeister guitar and a PV amplifier. So... Uh, plus, Sarah Dillon's top five whitest songs ever recorded. Geek Watch coming up today. Clergy Watch coming up today. And we have that double penis watch from yesterday that we never got to. So we'll uh, endeavor to get to all of these things in today's uh, radio show. Here is Tim Riley, who's working on the following stories for your edification today. Oregon ranks the unhappiest state of all, according to a new online survey. Well done. And as you heard, a Corvallis legislator vows to shut down the Oregon School for the Blind. But would they know? push children in wheelchairs down stairways. Wow. A 71%, oh, 71% of CEOs at the nation's largest companies plan more layoffs within the next six months. A Gresham dad gets 50 years in the federal pen for using his own kids in online porn. There is now an even newer plan to build still another baseball stadium in the Rose Quarter. Kelso Roberts used a victim's car to repeatedly run him over. Silverton's transgendered mayor looks like he's getting his own reality show. The Arctic Miles reality show will showcase their search for quality men. A Russian spacecraft carrying an American billionaire lands in Kazakhstan. And I guess this will be part two of our clergy watch. A Staten Island pastor is accused of stealing over $64,000 in church funds to spend on Botox injections and snappy clothes. <laughs> really? Yes, Are they really? described oh, as wow. being snappy? Is that actually the adjective used in the story? Or is that your own sort of My uh, own. your editorial yes, observation? All right, I come in here early to write these things. Of course, Tim. Well, I mean, it's these uh, these uh, news teases don't just create themselves. They don't. They're not fabricated by themselves out of whole cloth. All right, we're uh, joined today, uh, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah Stillman. Hello, how are you today? Hello, I'm good. I'm, I have um, five out of my six songs done, so I'm trying to figure out the last one. I think I just thought of it. These are the whitest songs ever recorded? Yes. All right. And then tomorrow, uh, Tim Riley will also, you'll present your five whitest songs ever recorded. Tomorrow? Yes. Tomorrow oh being gosh. Thursday. All right. It's well, okay. You have, you know, you have 24 hours to work on it. The stress is on. I'm just, you can't come, and you can't use a theme from a summer place. No, I had no intention of okay. doing so. I already know what my number one song is, though. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it Popsicles and Icicles by the Mermaids? It is not, but I'll put it on the list if you want. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not trying to influence. I was just trying to guess. Wait, let me make one more guess. Five widest songs ever made. I'm not going to tell you. Widest songs. But if I if I guess correctly at your number one? You're not going to guess it. Uh, 
Is it Baby Don't Get Hooked on Me? No. Okay, is it... Uh, okay, one more. I know the 70s were full of those bland little ditties for white people. See, and we have kind of a no-novelty song rule, so it would... Because otherwise I would say one toke over the line. That's pretty white. That's that's one of Only the whitest... Only the Lord's Wealth version. Really? <laughs> is acceptable. Where it's, where it's a modern spiritual? Uh-huh. All right. Well, in any event. All right. Did everyone have a satisfying evening? Sarah? Yes. I um, went and played trivia last night, and I had my first soapbox derby meeting. Oh, that's right, because that's coming up in... Um, in when is the uh, sign-up? Late August. It's in... Oh, we already signed up. Okay, so you did make it on. We did make it on. Excellent. All right. Yes, we're number four. Is this um, where you catapult off the ramp into the water? <laughs> no, no. This is the one where you catapult down uh, an active volcano. But now I know what. Uh, but now I don't know what you're talking about. What are, What are you referring? That's the to? Red Bull. Uh, oh, that's the thing. Flugelstein. Mm-hmm. Farford. I can't thing. understand that. No, it's. Now see that just looks silly. I mean, Tim. Isn't that water filthy? That's a. Why would you want to catapult into it? <laughs> See, mine, I'm just, I want a thing where I can whip down a hill and land in some sewage. Basically. Hooray. Yeah, I'm just Fantastic. bolting down Mount Tabor with no side railings. <laughs> I mean, are we so hard up for events that we're 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 jumping into raw sewage? <laughs> that sounds like something they do in Russia. Hey, I want to have an event where I use like the a, Russian Olympics. Can I use a large rubber band to fling myself into a cesspool? It's so tasty too. <laughs> Anywho, so you had your soapbox, uh, your soapbox derby meeting, and then um, you uh, you played. Were you successful at the uh, trivia night? Um, yeah, we did. A, yeah. Did you win? No. No. Okay. No, but we. I think we came in like second. You know, second place is first loser, Sarah. Let's not have any illusions about that. Thanks uh, for that. Well, do you now. Do you take Paddock along with you? Because it <laughs> seems like he could be a guy. He might be your ringer there. Yeah, he came with us uh, last time. He came a couple weeks ago. He didn't come last night. Did though. he contribute to a winning night? He did. He did. He had a bunch of um, of like the crazy music knowledge. Yeah, it's like weird sort of. It's like seventies uh, music trivia or anything having to do with sitcoms. Seems oh, not like- even seventies. He's the only one who knew. Like there was a Jonas Brothers song that was playing, and he's just like, "Oh, Jonas Brothers." Well, they are a very white band. Yeah, I mean that's. Uh, I think we. I think we d- discussed this yesterday that he is in fact an authority on. Uh, on uh, a lot of music that might be described as somewhat bleached, mm-hmm. uh, because that, like that Leslie Gore song, came right that we had yesterday—the sunshine, rainbows, and lollipops, or whatever—came right off his iPod. Like it's not like he had to go online and download it. And to he's put not it on the ashamed list. of it, which is good. No, because I was like, I'm trying to put together the five whitest songs ever, and it's like I hadn't even gotten the first, you know, five whitest song, and he was already, le- you know, already like leaning over and getting his iPod and plugging it in. So. Uh, straight ahead, we will talk to uh, CNN Radio correspondent Jim Roop. Later on, uh, Anna Ferris uh, for the new movie Observe and Report, which Don Taylor gave a really strong review to. And I, I have to say, I wasn't, I wasn't really expecting that because it did have the kind of, it had that kind of vibe like maybe Seth Rogen had filmed it some years ago and had been sitting on a shelf somewhere. Mm-hmm. And they went, hey, that Paul Blart movie, the kids love that. Don't we have a cop mall movie with the, the, the guy who's funny? Find that movie, put it out. Don Taylor saw it and she said it was great. She said it was really disturbing. And actually, subsequent to her saying that, I've seen two or three online reviews that say exactly the same thing. They say it's hilarious, but it's unbelievably dark. Like, way darker than the trailer indicates. So, I'm there. I like what I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, so Sarah Dillon's top five widest songs. Uh, Harold Perrino, formerly of Lost. Geek Watch, Clergy Watch, and News with Tim Riley. It's all straight ahead. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is Wednesday morning, and good morning to you. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Just ahead news with Tim Riley. Later on, uh, Harold Perrineau, formerly of Lost, and Sarah Dillon's five whitest songs ever recorded. But you only, so it's five and an honorable mention, but you, you don't have the honorable mention yet? I've got five that I'm really, really certain of, and then I just picked the sixth one, and I'm not confident. So I'm, I think 
I need to still find that perfect song. Is but the right? other five are really good. All I'm right. working on mine as we speak. Right. I mean, it's, <laughs> the pressure is on. I have to out Patty Chris Paddock. Well, that's well, that's difficult. I mean, that's really that is a Sisyphean challenge, my friend. Uh, you want to hear some of the ones that didn't make? I mean, I said that you let it. My life by Debbie Boone didn't make the list. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, what else did I exclude? There was something else. It was something else that I came with in just just a just a whisper of putting on. And then it, it may have actually been Careless Whisper, actually, now that I think about it, but probably not. There was to something. See the version? <laughs> Any version, Sarah. Let's welcome that to the Recoverson Show from Los Angeles. I love LA. CNN or anything by Elvis Costello. CNN radio correspondent Jim Roop. Hello, sir. How are Hi, you today? Good morning. Uh, how was your, uh, how, how's your life? How are things? How are you feeling today? Well, I'm feeling quite well. Are you? For asking. All right. They don't have you. Let me ask you this. When I see things in the news like. Anna Nicole Smith or Phil Spector. At this point, do you even have to uh, sort of go down there and see what's happening anywhere? Or can you just kind of go to a file and pull out a bunch of random stories about Anna Nicole Smith and her? Uh, I whole, wish that were true. Ins- you can't just like put together like a collage of previous things you've said and issue it as a new report. Uh, that would make it real easy, but it's uh, the whole integrity thing. For some reason, we're all wrapped up in integrity. Don't uh, ask me why. Well, that is that's how Anna Nicole would have wanted it, Jim. <laughs> I guess you're right. Because what you could, I, I'm just thinking, you could go and you could probably find maybe. Five or six news stories about Anna Nicole Smith and that whole nutcase uh, circle around her back from when we all really cared about it. And then you could merge them all together into one brand news story. And so it would be things like this. It would just be a lot of phrases like um, the troubled former supermodel and then uh, came from uh, who uh, who rose from modest means to become an international celebrity. And then another story would say, only to descend into a nightmare of drug addiction and financial uh, uh, something, something, blah, 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 about how she lost control of her empire. And then you end with, of course, lost in all of this is the story of little Daniel Lynn and her future (laughs) still uncertain. Jim Roop, CNN Radio Los Angeles. But you wouldn't actually have to do any real reporting. You would just sort of stitch it together like some sort of uh, Frankenstein's, uh, uh, you know, uh, story. Well, wow, that would be nice. All right. Well, on that note, I got a couple questions. I might have already asked you this. Whatever did happen to that baby of hers? Is that off with uh, Larry Burkhead, Burkhead or whatever yeah, his name Burkhead's is? Burkhead's got it. And he kind of did the, the 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 thing he said he was going to do, where he got the kid, and then he just sort of vanished, right? Yeah, you know, and he's. Uh, I mean, we have done some follow up over the past uh, couple of years, and uh, he's he's being a dad. You know, I mean, he's. Uh, you know, the kid looks good when we see her. Um, He's out doing the things that dads do. I think we he went to uh, not Disneyland, but one of those silly theme parks around here. Um, and you know, he's he, yeah, you're right. He's doing he's doing exactly what he said he wanted to do while that trial was going on. So apparently, all of the of the speculation about Burkhead was you know sort of just what it's just that speculation. Yeah, good for him. And then and meanwhile you got uh Howard K Stern and then this psychiatrist yeah, who I guess was just shoveling pills into a feed bag for Anna Nicole Smith well, there's most two of the doctors. day. There's the psychiatrist and the physician. Um and uh, they're all, they're all three are facing six felony charges conspiring to to commit a crime, uh, uh obtaining uh prescriptions using false names or fraud in general. Uh, and then administering or dispensing or prescribing uh, medications to an addict, oh, well. a known addict. And so, I mean, it's a whole lot of weird things going on. There. They claim they're innocent. Well, Anna, well. They're not doing anything Anna Nicole didn't want them to do. <laughs> Well, be that as it may, I mean, look, I know we have a system of, of laws in this country and it's the rule of, uh, you know, of a democratic society in which courts and juries decide your guilt or innocence. But 
Imagine the defense of a doctor who's... Imagine a doctor examining Anna Nicole Smith and then pronouncing her fit as a fiddle. No, no, no. She's... uh, (laughs) I examined Anna Nicole Smith today. She's healthy as an ox. Uh, There's nothing wrong with her at all. I need to load her up with Vicodin. Yes, it is. It is, is, I would say... It is the patently unbelievable on its uh, on its face. So I mean, it's also it's almost worth having the prosecution just for like just for the laughs, you know. Where he's, I don't know, there didn't seem to be, didn't seem to be anything wrong with her at all. I, I remember it was right, I don't know, maybe six months or so before she overdosed that there was that weird appearance she made on MTV where it's like her her uh, uh, bosoms were covered up with some sort of weird masking. T- Sarah, what was that thing where Anna Nicole Smith was on MTV and it looked like her boobs were all like duct taped up? You know what I'm talking about? Is it when the when she was all drunk? That's when she was drunk or high or some combination of the above, and she. Just, I can't remember the boobs. I remember her with the um, like all the clown makeup on. I don't remember that. You don't remember her drunkenly like drugged out walking around. with Was the that clown the YouTube on? video where oh, she? Yeah. yeah, she was covering herself with clown makeup. No, no, this was on MTV. Uh, and it, where she's like, if I ever record She was talking about a producer. She was talking about like like Timberland or somebody or some some music producer, and and it, it's one of those sentences where it starts off. With some sort of clarity, like the words actually make sense. And by the end of it, though, it just is... And it just becomes this weird, like, open-ended kind of a zombie uh, noise coming out of her. So, perhaps to to no one's surprise that there were some pharmaceuticals at play there. Which makes you wonder, how do you... Like, how do... What is the matchmaking service between these addict celebrities... And these doctors, like that Dr. Nick guy that was just, uh, you know, the, the kind of throwing the rainbow of pills at Elvis all the time. Where does it that you find a doctor that will just give you everything? Is it like listed under feel good or something in the yellow pages? I don't know, but they're apparently easy to find. I mean, if you're a celebrity with money, you'll find a doctor that will prescribe whatever it is you need when you want it. So um, it's... Uh, I, I guess they're pretty easy to find. Here's the thing I think about sometimes. I think about uh, guys like the president, uh, and I, you know, no matter, no matter who he is, and you always wonder if a his name is Barack Obama <laughs> for the win. That's your right there. That was like a three at the buzzer. Uh, well done, Trying sir. Helps. Um, but you wonder if like if the president has access to a doctor that will kind of. Uh, you know, they, they will kind of slide him whatever it is he might need to make it through a session with the Joint Chiefs or something, or if there's some crisis happening Maybe in the Situation joint. Rooms. What's that? Maybe a joint. Well, I, I'm not. So I'm not, of course, implying that that would be the case. I uh, I have the uh, the highest amount of respect for our president. I'm sure he treats his body as a temple. But I, but you, like, you wonder if there's some secret kind of. You know, like when you become president, they take you into a room and they tell you all the secret codes to everything. Like you get the missile launch codes, and they, and then they give you the, uh, you know, the lowdown on aliens at Roswell or something. And then you get that briefing every day, though, too. Yeah, all that the, terrorism crap. Like the top secret telex or whatever. Uh, and then they tell you where the Ark of the Covenant uh, is hidden. But I always wonder if there's a doctor that has like a secret, uh, like there's a secret sort of class of pharmaceuticals that only the president gets. Um, you know, because they figure you get, you know, it's like all those, uh, there's like that, that special class of amphetamines that they create just for fighter pilots. Yeah. So they can stay awake for like seven days and then inadvertently bomb Canadians. <laughs> and I, you gotta wonder if the president has access because the president is the most powerful man in the world. He's responsible for maintaining the peace. He's gotta be awake and have his wits about him and be sharp even when he's stressed out and maybe hasn't slept for a couple of days. So it's not like they can just be letting him make those decisions on a cup of coffee or something. And I've always wondered if they, like you see Bill Clinton in that, um, and that uh, deposition he gave in the in the Lewinsky thing in '98, clearly that guy was not getting a lot of uh, a lot of rest. Uh, you know, whatever the White House uh, couch might be, I'm sure it's not comfortable. And you know, that's probably where he was sleeping for months on end. 
So I got to wonder if there was some special, uh, uh, you know, uh, medication that he was all jacked up on. Good question. All right. Can't answer that one. Same thing. I wondered about OJ, too, during the trial, because you got to figure at any moment OJ just wanted to like come over the table and just start punching, uh, you know, Chris Darden in the face. And it didn't happen. So they were using something to uh, they were using something. His to medication him. was Johnny Cochran. That's that's right. Uh, speak one the final thing here before we wrap it up. Uh, speaking of celebrity trials, so this is the Phil Spector thing just continues to grind on. And I guess what is the jury asked to have something? They wanted to see something or have something read back to them. Oh uh, yeah, they had some testimony read back about fifteen minutes worth last night. Most of it was uh, about the uh, blood evidence and debris that was collected from. Uh, Clarkson's body and that black slip dress she was wearing. So, and there was some interest yesterday too uh, about that missing piece of thumbnail. Remember that? I don't know if you remember that or not from the from the trial. But there was a big hoopla meant, uh, about that the defense uh, mounted about uh, this missing piece of thumbnail because they couldn't find it. There was she had a broken thumbnail. They couldn't find the piece of it, which meant uh, it got on the bottom of somebody's shoe or it was inadvertently taken away from the crime scene, which contaminated the entire thing. So uh, a mistrial was ordered or requested and all of that. So there, that came up again in the retrial. The jury was a little interested in that, along with that debris and blood that was collected from Clarkson. You know, here's why juries love to hear about things like a missing thumbnail, because in their head there's going to be some moment, uh, you know, where like Gary Sinise bursts into the courtroom. <laughs> uh, you know, like Paul Drake at the last moment, just as, the, just as they're about to put the wrong guy away, uh, you know, and then it's like, uh, what's her name, Della Street suddenly comes in and hands Perry like a cellophane wrapper. And Perry stands up and says, is this the thumbnail? And then somebody breaks down crying. Uh, and then it says, like, a Viacom production yes, or whatever. I, yes. Exactly. That's and, the thumbnail. That's the one. And then, and then I they tried to disguise it. And then they walk out of the courtroom together and then, uh, and then they show the, uh, then they show the uh, midday news. All right. Jim Roop in Los but Angeles. They all, but they all walk in slow motion toward the camera in a line. Totally. And then behind them, there's that little, that swinging door that was behind the gallery in the courtroom and then the tables where the prosecution and the defense sat. And where, what's his name? Was it Mason Berger? Was that his name? On Perry Mason? Who was the prosecutor on Perry Mason? I don't remember. The show's still on every day, like at 11 o'clock. I know. I watched the it beginning of away. it before my nap. It's on, you know, that is, Portland is actually the longest running Perry Mason market in the country. Mm -hmm. It has never been off the air here. Doesn't the theme start? Dun, dun. dun. Yeah, okay, yes. good. Dun, 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 dun. Burr. Yeah. Yeah. Man. But there was, I think his name was Mason Berger. That was the guy who was always the prosecutor. How did that guy keep a job, by the way? I mean, like the only case he he got one case in the entire run of Perry Mason uh, was won by Mason Berger, and that's only because it turned out that it was the case of the terrified typist, by the way. And in the case of the terrified typist, it turned out that Perry Mason's client actually did do it. But I think it, it, it was sort of but had forgotten about it. It was like amnesia or something. So it's like Perry wasn't really representing a, you know a guilty person because the guy had killed somebody and then he'd hit his head and then he'd forgotten all about it. But other than that, that guy, burger guy had like a 99.99999% loss rate. <laughs> and that's how you know he was a government employee. He still had a job after that. And full benefit. Seriously. All right. Thank you, my friend. You have a good day. All right. There you go. CNN radio correspondent James Roop. I'm all, gonna bug me. I'm all done with I, your I, my top five, and now I'm going to hit send and send them to you. All right. So this is uh, Tim Riley. These are painstakingly put together. The five whitest songs ever recorded in your estimation. Okay. All right. Oh, I also, this is just for myself. I'm saying for me, I made a no bubblegum rule. Because then it's like, then it's, it's just the, the Archies or something. You know, this is nothing but Ohio Express. Yeah, I don't think I have any before, like, 1977. All right, so these are all 
you I made have some early 60s, which were considered pop at that time. Mm. Chad and Jeremy. Before that. Okay. Uh, these are the uh, five widest songs ever recorded. So Sarah Dillon has hers today. Then uh, Tim Riley tomorrow. All right. I sense the beginning of another great trend in top fives. We'll do this. We'll get caught up around the corner. Tim Riley will join us. Uh, later on, we have Anna Ferris, who's going to be uh, speaking with us. Also, Harold Perrineau, formerly of Lost, and uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer. Stay there. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. I'm sorry if I was uh, not uh, quick off the draw there. I was just still horrified by your revelation that Billy Corgan is dating Tila Tequila. Yes. Where did you read that? Is that from a reputable source? Oh, I read it on the Internet from a very reputable source. Was it from Tila Tequila? No, it had that a picture. That's like a brand of alcohol. You know, she's got a tiny little munchkin face. She, she does have uh, a munchkin She face. looks like a gremlin. No, uh, she... And not the car. I mean, she looks like the actual, like, mogwai. Uh, you know, they went to an awards show together. There was a picture of them, like, groping each other and smiling fondly. Really? Yeah, it, it really is disturbing. What do you want to talk about? I mean, maybe that's like a skips a gene. When heroes fall, they fall hard. <laughs> maybe, but that might be like a recessive gene thing where their kids are normal looking. Because th- let's not labor under any kind of illusion that tequila, tequila is attractive. She's not. That's a they, that's a stupid guy thing. That's where, like, if a woman shows you her cleavage, suddenly you are. That is like the um, cleavage is like uh, when you're uh, trying to get your idiot kid's picture taken at Sears and he keeps uh, wriggling around like a spastic. And so the guy holds up a puppet and says, look over here for a second. And it distracts the kid just long enough that they can snap a photo. That's what cleavage is. It'll just distract from the fact that your face is all squashy and messed up, which it is, Tila Tequila. Well, she's one of those people that looks pretty with makeup on. No, but that's not true either. See, that's uh, there's. I don't understand the deal. I mean, I'm not saying she's like the ugliest person on earth, but I don't. Don't you find that her face is way too small for her head? Like, it, here's what it looks like to me. Tila Tequila looks like you. It's like that face transplant, but it's like you removed her face and then shrunk it down in Photoshop to like 80% size and then put it back on. Like Rumor Willis's face? Yeah, ex- yes, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. That's a, It's like the reverse of the mouth of Sauron, which is 120% of normal size. Anyway, apparently Tequila is dating uh, Billy Corgan. So there you go. So at the end, everybody sucks and is a sellout. The end. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. <laughs> In the news with Tim Riley. Oregon ranked dead last in a recent online poll aimed to determine the happiest states in America based on physical security. The Beaver State ranked 51st, even unhappier than a non-state, the District of Columbia. This is all about economic well-being, and uh, several economic indicators are here, including debt, household income, foreclosure status, and unemployment rate. Out of the United States, I mean, and what I mean, the actual states, we ranked 50. First? Fifty first. Really? Yes. Behind Washington, D.C.? That's correct, yes. How did but, they assess this, do you know? Is it, it's, it's online. So it's be- But, I mean, did they, did they rank, did they have people go on and vote themselves? Or yes. Did they come to the door and ask, like, are you happy? And everybody kind of said no. I no, mean, Washington, D.C., you got to figure that your life expectancy can be measured in, like, picoseconds. It's a step above Detroit. Wow. All right. If not that much. Well, here we go again. There's a new plan unveiled for still another baseball park in the Rose Garden Arena area. So they're not going to let this rest. This was put together by the Trailblazers and the city. They want to get a baseball farm club there. So who knows if that's going to go anywhere. This Is is this in addition to PGE Park and then yes. the soccer uh, thing that we're apparently going to... Well, PGE gonna... Park and the soccer thing are the same thing, I think. I don't know. I'm Wait getting a confused about oh, this. Oh, no. See, now I'm, back to being, now I'm back to being mixed up. So, okay. PGE, let's, for, once and for all. The place that we now call PGE Park, that yes. would become the soccer stadium. Yes. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. It'll be the home of Portland's Major League Soccer franchise. 
And then, therefore, the Beavers, who are the baseball team, get kicked out. And then they will have to to build a new place to play. Right. All right. Has anybody asked this question? Why can't they continue to play at the soccer stadium once it becomes a soccer stadium? Anyone? Well, because they'd have to have a baseball diamond. Yeah, but I mean, but that well, but, because they're building it primarily for soccer. Well, that doesn't make any difference. It can be a multi-use stadium. There's stadiums. I mean, there's. It depends how, on how many. You know how selfish Americans are. They want their own stadiums. No, but there's. Teams. It also depends on how many soccer games there are too. Like oh, if they that's overlap. True, yeah. Oh, that's true. So I guess is there so if, if the seasons are at the same time. If it's mm-hmm. major league, is there more? Are there more major league soccer games than there will be like a triple A team or right. whatever the hell it is? All right. Um, well, that's good. We were running out of money. Uh, you know, uh, we were running out of money for you know for libraries and schools anyway. So I mean, really, there was nothing more to be done there. Uh, the, and the best part is how that comes on the heels of a story that we are in fact fifty first. That is, the scientific term for that is dead effing last. By the way, in terms of economic security. So so to make everybody happy, why don't they kill two birds with one stone and name this new baseball stadium Cesar Chavez Stadium? Hey, there you go. There it is, Tim. Is that your idea? My idea. Original. I came up with that moments ago after finishing my top five. Okay. Because I had brain cells to spare. Well, it's because you had to counteract <laughs> the whiteness, Tim. Uh, after creating your after creating your With an honorable mention. List, uh, you had to you had to suddenly become you they instantly switch over to Cesar Chavez Stadium. That is a fan who do we call at the city about this? Uh Sam, Sam Adams. Adams. <laughs> oh no no no. Let's not be calling Sam Adams anymore. Uh, we love. The No, don't give me that. <laughs> See, and I wasn't even going to say that. Yeah, for those who don't know, there was I can Facebook him for you. <laughs> the, we had an incident we could uh, get this done. About, I don't know, about a year ago, uh, there was an incident where we were talking about bicycle safety and it was that whole that whole thing last summer where cyclists and motorists were constantly just at odds with one another and it's like there were beatings and just uh, and the maimings happening all the time. And we were trying to get a handle on bicycle laws and then uh, Richie Bristol just decided to call Sam. And he somehow, somehow had Sam Adams' private cell phone number. Which, in retrospect, is a little odd, actually. And no, just, but Richie can find anything. And he just like called Sam Adams at home to ask him a bicycle uh, law. Which that's one of those uh, that's one of those anecdotes that I suppose now. Well, let's call another politician, Randy it, Leonard. I guess the big shot who's really running the show now. What about Amanda Fritz? Uh, Amanda Fritz is uh, crazy. I, what? See, I didn't say that. We no. were just we were allegedly about, we were talking about her in Outlook Portland the other day, mm-hmm. uh, and I I didn't say she had crazy lemur eyes. What I said, but is, she has crazy hair. Like her name. Sounds like what she looks like. Also, she has crazy lemur eyes. Okay, <laughs> uh, but it's but she has a certain I would say uh, subdued. Je ne sais quoi. Also, but just underneath the sur- uh, surface, it's like a sort of um, unhinged exuberance that you sense is lurking just underneath the uh, the calm surface of the lake. That would be my assessment. Like a case of the giggles. Yes, Tim. Mm-hmm. Also, the stabbies. A case of the stabbies. <laughs> uh, but somebody at the city ought to be called because that is a a, a great way to. You know, I'm going to repeat the, it every hour until somebody does something. No, about it. I, we should just demand. Uh, we should go on a hunger strike until they do that. Then we won't have to hear about either of those issues again. Because I ask this now, knowing that again, that nobody in the room has the answer. But that Caesar Chavez Boulevard thing, haven't doesn't that happen about every uh, eight months, and it has yeah. forever now? Mm-hmm. Like, I, doesn't it seem? I'm look. I, I have nothing against Caesar Chavez. He's a great guy, and he stuck it to the man, and so forth. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm for anybody that sticks it to the man. Um, even having become the, the quasi man at this point in my life, whatever I don't care. Uh, stick away. You have your own office. That's what I'm saying. That's being part of the man. Well, that's world. part of being the man. I have a door. Uh, so, but doesn't it seem like if people were really in favor of it, it would have just happened by now? Well, no. People have to become activists to get things done. 
But, but, but I think all they have to do is just get the right amount of signatures and then bada bing and then they pay a thing and it happens, right? Oh, there's always something more to it, though. Yeah, there's always think? something more to it. Like, I don't really know anybody that's opposed to it. Like, well, we should ask Aaron since he's trying to rename 42nd. See, that's a good point because Aaron Duran was trying to rename 42nd Avenue uh, Avenue as Douglas Adams Boulevard. And don't get me wrong, I'm a huge fan of that. I'm really strongly in favor of that. So I'm not. It's, uh, I'm not trying to pick sides. I'm just saying. But to get the great unwashed interest, it is is kind of difficult. But I don't even think the great unwashed have to vote on it. Isn't it the thing that like you just get signatures and then the city council says you, yes? You have to get enough signatures. You have to get enough people interested. Mm. But I think they got the right amount of signatures. Is my deal? I just maybe, maybe not. I don't mm. remember. There are so many street renamings. I can't keep track. of I them can all. tell from your tone of voice you are totally disinterested in whether or not that street gets changed. Well, to I'm not going to change the name of my street. <laughs> Exactly. Like, there's nothing we can do with three people who have no idea what we're talking about. To well, figure it let's out. talk about the breakfast burrito then. <laughs> okay. Because I'll get killed if I don't read this. I've been bombarded with the email for this story. From Wolf Creek, a commercial truck driver crashed while reaching for a breakfast burrito, closing down the stretch of the I-5 in Southern Oregon temporarily. They have uh, given a ticket to uh, Bradley Ravanava, who crashed a Kenworth truck. That was loaded with 60-foot BCI joints. All you construction people know what that is. North of Grants Pass, he was reaching for a breakfast burrito, entering a right curve, causing the truck to drift toward the center, roll the darn thing. All this construction stuff uh, ended up all over the place. And no word yet on whether he got to eat that burrito. Breakfast burrito sounds really good. By the way, here's another song that didn't make it onto the uh, five whitest songs ever recorded list yesterday. Yeah. Love American Style by the Cow Sills. I have that. Yeah. Is it on your list? It's not on my list, but I, I have it on CD because the Cow Sills are one of the American Masters series of CDs. Uh, really? Yes. Now, the, the, here's why I almost put the Cow Sills uh, on my list yesterday, and then I did not for the same reason. Because I wasn't going to put the Partridge Family on because that seemed very close to a novelty song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, I had also for myself a no bubblegum rule, and the Partridge Family were very clearly bubblegum. There's no getting around that. Um, but the Cow Sills are the band on whom the Partridge Family was based. The right. Partridge Family was a fictionalized version of the Cow Sills story, and so I felt like it was kind of cheating to put the Cow Sills on there. Also this, did you ever notice how much the beginning of um, I Think I Love You by David Cassidy sounds like the Tales from the Crypt theme from the HBO series? Mm-hmm. All right. Are you just saying yes? Yes, I know. I agree. <laughs> you have that. There's you. Your body language today suggests that you are feeling entirely dismissive of any number of these stories today that don't involve breakfast burritos. Well, no, I'm I'm trying to keep things moving along. It's all about I'm forward to use momentum, Tim. <laughs> Always looking forward, never looking back. All right. When we return, somebody who is snarkily and incorrectly uh, upbraiding me about yesterday's list. That's where the Rick Everson show continues. Later, Harold Perrineau, also uh, Anna Ferris will be joining us, and Sarah Dillon's Five Widest Songs. Wow. It's like a full-on Leona Helmsley thing. <laughs> Shut right there. up. Taxes are for little people to pay. <laughs> What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? My hands are what tied. What am I to do? Here's what just happened uh, as that song was coming to a conclusion just now. So, my, so, so I will mic my stomach to show you how hungry I am. I don't dispute that you're the kitchen 30 feet away. Would you like me to not be sitting here and operating the board when we come back from commercial? I can't, I can't get it. Absolutely not. No, that I'm, is illegal. I su- that's not illegal. You're not on the board. You could, uh, you could, uh, you could do it because uh, Brent is on the uh, Brent on the log over there. Oh yeah, that's you true. actually could have left the studio, and you had like a seven minute. Uh, Are there uh, any laws there. left? No, Tim. It's a lawless society. <laughs> also, also, also a godless society because of Bill Clinton. Um, so just as the song is ending. Sarah, and you, here's the thing, and you knew that it was going to look a little weird because you preemptively said to me. I know, I know it was going to look weird. Just as the song is ending, Sarah says, Sarah says, okay, I have to do this. I don't have any choice. And she walks over to the studio door, 
opens the door, doesn't actually leave the studio even, opens the door just now, leans her head out into the hallway and says, Hey, Nibbler! Nibbler! Uh, Greg, this, if you're listening, this is not me actually calling you. I'm just replicating what just happened. She leans her head out of the hallway like, Greg! Greg Nibbler! Ah. And shuts the door and comes back inside. And the thing is, as soon as you did it, I immediately knew uh, what that was about. It's that you were trying to get him to fetch your breakfast for you from the microwave. It's just the, the kitchen is really far down the hallway. Would you like me to go measure how far the kitchen uh, is from here? Yes, I'm guessing. All I'm saying is that if I wasn't here, then we couldn't be having this woody repartee right now. I I would be in the kitchen grabbing my food. There's an unpleasant outcome to leaving microwave food in the oven after it's done. It turns into like a dog's chew toy. Well, it does. Exactly. And you leave it here. And plus, it's a radio station. There could be someone like lurking in one of the rooms that'll steal it. I don't dispute that maybe the food is done and it's kind of frustrated you that it's done and you're here and the food is in there and you're not able to eat it. Really, the, the best part, though, was the resolution of the whole thing where I said... You know, I I didn't know that you were going to make Greg get your food, and you actually said, oh, what am I supposed to do? As though there was just no other possible uh, way to resolve well, that scenario. Well, you make scenario. it sound like it's so awful. It's just like, hey, you know, he's like halfway between the studio and the kitchen. I never said it was awful. If, he, if he'd like to grab my food, that would be nice, or else I can wait 12 <laughs> minutes and then it'll be cold. There are dues to be paid to be on this program. That's true, Tim. <laughs> you you said it no, as I, though you were like a... I, uh, I, I said on Sarah's behalf, there have to be people who wait on others. Well, that... It's like a whole room of Leona Helmsley's. Sarah said it as though she was a legless vet who was being asked to get something off a top shelf somewhere. Hey, Bob, can you get that thing out of the... Bob, come on! You know, you know it's kind of making me sad. What? It's like, Greg still doesn't really food. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really hungry. That's fantastic. At the news desk, it's Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Oh, the drama of doing a morning radio program, I tell you. Wait a minute, is Greg at the, is Greg at the window? He's awesome. Oh, Here sad. comes the food. Is it still hot? Th- thank you, Greg. Is now hop hot? on one leg. Fantastic. Greg Nibbler, ladies and gentlemen. See, Greg's all classy. I feel bad for I'll be ready in five minutes for dessert. Please don't forget the silver spoon. <laughs> also, I would uh, I would like to have my shoulders rubbed by a, uh, uh, by a, a team of, um, I don't know where to go. I was going to go somewhere funny there, and it was going to end with being waved with palm fronds. But then I was just thinking about Nibbler doing it, and he's wearing that weird... He's wearing, like, one of those knit caps, like you see those guys wearing in the old Alcatraz films. Oh, but he's a good-looking fella. No, he is. I'm just saying... Not Look, not that I wouldn't like to be rubbed by Greg Nibbler. I'm just saying. I mean, who wouldn't? Uh, uh Uh-huh. Here's Tim Riley. So this Levi Johnston guy is all over the TV. He's really trashing Sarah Palin's family. Uh, This time he's on CBS's The Early Show. He claims the Alaska governor's camp lied when they issued a statement this week denying his claim that he lived with Palin in the household for several months while he was dating Palin's then 17-year-old daughter, Bristol. The 19-year-old former hockey player said Palin treated him like a son before she became the Republican vice presidential nominee. He tells CBS's early show he can pinpoint the moment when all of that changed for the worst. When she lost, that's when it started happening. When she got back, I think it's when it went downhill. <laughs> It's as though he's damaged his trachea, and the doctor has told him that he has to speak with as little effort as possible. Use the, the barest minimum of energy to get those words out of your mouth. This is how you know, by the way, that Sarah Palin's not going to be running in 2012, and certainly wouldn't be elected to anything beyond where she is now. Because, oh, yeah, she's hosed. Well, but the, the proof of that is that this guy is, is on television. Is transportation being paid by it? the Democratic Party by any chance? But, I mean, don't you get the sense that... That's true. He's being allowed to, like, sit there and trash talk her. Shouldn't somebody have silenced him? Well, or that he... It's, we it's, don't do that in a Democratic society. But it's, but it's not even... To me, it's not even that. It's not even that he's being allowed to. It's that 
if that guy had any sense at all that she was going to be elected to a higher office, much like the presidency at some point, he would you wouldn't be doing that because you figured that then she'll just have you killed. Right. I mean, you, or he could be holding out for the big bucks if he thinks she's going to be running. Sarah Palin seems like somebody who wouldn't have any trouble getting somebody handled, if you know what I mean. Uh, and I mean that Michael Harris style, uh, you know, where they just sort of uh, they just they just find you. They find you like all black dahlia uh, by the side of the road. So it seems like and then the story ends by he decided to live in the wilds of Alaska. And we know the outcome of when that happens. Don't he totally. was found in an abandoned bus <laughs> hallucinating living in his own filth. We're not saying that's actually the truth. His that's life it. was only a half mile away. <laughs> We're, that's just an artist's rendering of what the future might hold. Oh wow! Got yeah, that more. That whole family is so dense. Have we figured out yet what he's promoting, if anything, or is it just because he's like stupidity? <laughs> that's what he's promoting. I like to promote my own mental thickness. All right. Uh, he's, a, there's more from, he's promoting Alaskan hockey. <laughs> he's a hockey dad from Alaska, Tim. He believes he and Bristol would still be together if it wasn't for Sarah Palin's unsuccessful presidential election. I think of the media and all the drama that comes with her running for that made a big impact on, running for that. on us. Whatever that might have been. Oh, wow. Yet with all this going on, <laughs> he still finds time to read the collected works of Thoreau. He still doesn't believe their baby was a mistake. Trips. Everything me. He's my little, my little boy. Me? I don't know what I do without him. When I hold him, it's it's an amazing feeling. I just shake. You should not shake be allowed baby. to be a father. Do not shake the baby. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> when I hold him, I just shake, <laughs> and then he quits crying permanently because he's blue. Wow. I was working blue. <laughs> That was, I think, one shade. Uh, I think so. One shade too dark there, Tim. One brush stroke too many on the joke. Perhaps so. Wow. Let's do a double clergy when watch. When I hold him, I just shake. <laughs> Here's your clergy watch for Wednesday in the Rick Emerson Show. Oh, well, I guess it would be nice. Here's your clergy watch with Tim Riley. This is the first of two parts. A Colorado man who works for the evangelical group Focus on the Family has been arrested after he solicited sex online from an investigator posing as a teenage girl. Juan Alberto of Valle, who's 42, thought he was corresponding with a girl under the age of 15. Wait a minute. He thought he was corresponding with it's a girl? It's never a yeah. girl. Just say it all together. But it's, instead, it was an undercover officer. It's always an undercover officer. He was arrested when he uh, drove to an undisclosed location to meet the person believed to be a teen for sexual purposes. We're all shocked to hear these allegations. Uh-huh. And just beginning to look into them, said the focus on the family spokesperson. Uh, they're an influential group. Uh, they were, anyway, during the Bush era. And it's President James Dobson, a doctor formerly wit- met with W, to lay strategy on how best to rally American conservatives behind... Terror war policies. Jesus. I'm talking about the, it's a page from 1994. Mm-hmm. Page two. Uh, former Staten Island church pastors accused of stealing donations to pay for plastic surgery. The Reverend Blazingame resigned. He is accused of swindling uh, parishioners out of more than $84,000 over three years. He used it to pay for plastic surgery, Botox injection, drugs, and snappy clothes. Our goal is to get the money back. We would love to see restitution be made here. And that the purpose for which the money was supposed to be used for will eventually be used for that purpose. The pastor's friend Don is shocked. I'm shocked about the allegations and I'm horrified and he was a dear friend and a dear person. 
And he's done. Richard, in this day and age, with, with poverty the way it is, maybe it was a Robin Hood. Uh, I, who knows? A Robin Hood. Buying drugs. What Does it say what kind of drugs he was purchasing? Because the drugs it, no, were sort of didn't. buried there between, there was Botox, blah, 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 drugs, blah, 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 and snappy clothes. Mm -hmm. So, do we How have was a, he a Robin Hood? I, I don't know. It was just the Robin part, Sarah. Uh, the, does it say exactly how, uh, how snappy the clothes were? Is there a depiction of the snappy clothes? I don't see a picture, no. Well, that's unfortunate. There you go. There's your double clergy watch for Wednesday on the Rick Emerson Show. Because I got to have Servants of the Lord. God, I can't get over that Le Levi Johnson. I think of the media and all the drama that comes with her mm. running for that mm. made a big impact mm. on on us. Boy, as you could just smell the stupid coming off that guy just in waves. I mean, just you just inhale that. That's just the, that's just a deep, deep scent of of untreatable ignorance. Uh, it, it just it, it wafts off of him like it was coming out of a, a pancake house. Even a barrel of brute couldn't take that no, smell away. No, there isn't. And is it, he's, what, 18 or something? And she's, I guess, now 18. There was another cut. Uh, I don't know. Who, who, with whom is he speaking it's in this? Everything to me. He's my, little, he's my little boy. I don't know what I'd do without him. When I hold him, it's, it's an amazing feeling. I just shake. <laughs> <laughs> And that seems to cure the uh, that seems to cure the fussiness right away. Hey, here's the thing about baby shaking. Did you baby shaking seems to me? I'm not saying it's it's. I mean, clearly you shouldn't do it. But doesn't this seem? I'm not going to say something untoward. You give me that look, uh, like I'm going to cause Who trouble. Who analyzes baby shaking? You're giving me that look, like a, a like my mom used to give me in church sometimes when she thought I was about to make a Richard. racket about something or like <laughs> like I was going to make a fuss. Um, no, I'm just saying it's it's sort of like, and I'm not com comparing the two. Uh, but it's like that whole thing about how the peanuts are suddenly lethal and they're killing everybody. This seemed like it, we never really heard about baby shaking up until a few years ago. I mean, this is one of those things that I guess it did somehow they just didn't put two and two together in 1965 that maybe just uh, like rattling your kid around uh, it, like it was a uh, swizzle stick was not a good idea. And they just somehow about about, you know, eight, nine, ten years ago went, oh, wait a minute, maybe you shouldn't do that. Because I remember hearing no admonitions against um, against baby shaking when I was growing up. Apparently, it was just fine uh, when I was a youth. So, is, or people allergic to nuts. How did that start? They, 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 what happens when people ate nuts before? People made a big deal about this. Well, they they ate nuts and they survived, and they weren't attention whores. That's what happened, Tim. <laughs> they just they ate nuts and they lived, and everybody was happy. Now everyone's child has to be special in some way. All right. Uh, it is the Rick Emerson Show. Ahead, more from Tim Riley. Uh, we have uh, CNN Radio correspondent Amanda Moyer, who's going to be joining us later on. Anna Ferris, also Harold uh, Perino. Perino? Perino? I think Perino. Now, see, I went back and forth on it. it. It's one of those things that is difficult to find uh, said out loud because I was actually going on YouTube last night trying to be because I think because it's a French name and I was trying to figure out whether he was using the fully French pronunciation of it. So I think it's like in absence of any sort of definitive answer. I may just do the Harold <laughs> and kind of just uh, hack my way through it when we bring him on later. Uh, but so he will be joining us in the seven o'clock hour, plus Sarah Dillon's top five, the five whitest songs ever recorded. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101, KUFO. Now broadcasting everywhere. One time I did actually confess that I um, made out with my teddy bear. The Rick Emerson Show returns on Rock 101, KUFO.
It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for coming along. Oh, can you uh, throw it over here to me for one second here? This is this also did not make the list, by the way. So yesterday I was doing the uh, the five whitest songs ever recorded. When I was just sort of uh, brainstorming and making the initial pass through the list, and I came up with about 15, this was on there. Didn't make the final cut, but I mean, strong contender. Don't sleep on the subway, baby, from Pet Clark. That's right. Pet, Pet Clark. It's the DJ she used to say. Really? Yeah. Is that to further the illusion that you were pals with the artist? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was that followed up by a, a liner by Petula Clark on The Rick Emerson Show. Oh, damn it. I thought that was, I didn't know it was a pre-chorus. I thought that was the hook. I'm a terrible, terrible teacher. I suck. Let's just use this as Amanda Clark's intro theme today, shall we? What did I say? Did Amanda, I say Amanda Clark? Clark? I'm con- You think of Dick Clark. You're conflating Kelly Clark. I'm conflating with, Kelly Clark, with, with, Amanda with Clark, Clark, Petula Clark, and Dick Clark. Wow. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Let's welcome now uh, to the uh, program from the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, uh, Amanda Moyer. How are you today? Good morning. I'm well. How are you? I'm okay, except uh, I'm looking at this picture of Petula Clark here uh, that's on uh, the screen as I'm playing this. And somebody found a really, it's an awkward photograph of her because it's its a black and white still that clearly she's singing at some point. Uh, and they, they just got one frame of it. And it's like when you sneeze outside your apartment building and a guy from the Inquirer is there. And then they publish the photograph of you sneezing and it says something like, Rick Emerson had a stroke, only has days to live. And that's kind of what this Petula Clark uh, photograph looks like here. It's all very strange. Are you a Petula Clark fan, Amanda Moyer? Uh, not not especially. Fair enough. I would say that that uh, that's a thing that one had to be uh, probably unless you worked in radio. That is a uh, from a uh, a certain probably part of the country at a certain time in American history. Uh, otherwise, Petula Clark leaves you. Uh, I would say entirely cold. If I hadn't been a DJ, it's like see also uh, by the way anything by uh, by Bobby V or Tommy Rowe. Those are songs that I would never have known if I hadn't been forced to play them like six times a day as an oldies DJ. <laughs> Let me ask you this thing about the, the Al Franken. And if it sounds odd that I'm using uh, the words Al and Franken back-to-back in April of 2009, it's only because – wasn't the election like months ago? Is it what is going? What's wrong with Minnesota that they still can't figure out who won the Senate race there? Uh, well, it's been five months, and you're right. They are still wrangling over who the actual winner is. However, they did uh, – count 351 incorrectly rejected absentee ballots that were cast on November 4th last year, and uh, Democrat Al Franken actually increased his lead over the Republican incumbent, Norm Coleman. And so is this the sort of thing, do you suppose uh, other countries look at this and, you know, and they sort of wonder why it is that we can't seem to to kind of get our act together? Here's a dumb question. What are the ballots look like i mean it's not just a thing where you're drawing a big x are these where you're coloring a thing in or you're pressing a button on a screen or how is it that they that they're so easily misconstrued here there, there are computer ballots that you would have to take a pencil and fill in the bubble next to the person's name and they're about uh they're about a size of a piece of paper and so in the meantime is it just like who's who's kind of run, they don't have it like an autopilot or something like who's kind of running uh you know that the senate seat is it just does it default to the incumbent unless uh you know unless somebody sort of uh, you know is declared the, you know the, the winner you know immediately well you know i was speaking with the secretary of state there in minnesota and he said that they only have one senator representing them right now and they're going to continue to only have one senator uh, until this is settled and so norm coleman isn't going to washington and doing things while this is all being sorted out 
So uh, it's why it's important to get this done quickly. And I can say that yesterday's step could move that a little bit closer. Uh, it, with Franken increasing his lead, now it makes it a lot more difficult for Norm Coleman to contest this, although his lawyers do say that they are going to take it to the state Supreme Court. But uh, from my understanding, that process is very quick. What a uniquely stressful situation this must be. It's five months before you know if you're going to you know, either win or keep the Senate seat. It seems like there ought to be, uh, if this hasn't already happened, it seems like there ought to be reality TV crews out there like right now sort of following them. Because what they ought to do is they ought to get uh, Coleman and Al Franken both, and they ought to fit in with those like blood pressure cuffs or something or like those uh, those like sticky things they put on your uh, your chest to measure your heart rate. And just sort of follow them around and track uh, what their pulse and what their vital signs are. And, any you know, like with every uh, new vote that is either counted or, or disqualified, because that's man, that's got to be like five uh, long months of just, uh, uh, you know, of just ulcer farming. I mean, it's, I, I can't even imagine how stressful that would be. Oh, definitely. I'm sure it's stressful. And even yesterday, uh, there were 351 ballots being counted and Coleman was down 225 so both of their attorneys were sitting there, and and they were the person reading off the ballots was going, you know, Franken, Coleman. So I'm sure that that you know it takes 30 seconds between each ballot being read, and you're trying to figure out the tally. It could have gone either way, really, for both candidates. Wow. All right. Well, it, uh, it if nothing else, I'm sure that there's it, it, brewing in Al Franken's head right now. There's some sort of a musical stage play about the whole thing being crafted as we speak. So I would look for that, regardless of the outcome. I would look for that to uh, to appear over the horizon in the immediate future. On that note, Amanda Moyer, have a fantastic day. We will speak with you soon. Thank you. You too. Amanda Moyer at the CNN Radio Center in Atlanta, ladies and gentlemen. By the way, uh, I wasn't going to say this because it's awkward, but I'm looking here on the CNN sheet, and it actually says that the attorney for um, for, uh, for Republican Norm Coleman is Ben Ginsburg. And if, unless I'm wrong about this, and I don't think I am, I think Ben Ginsburg is the lawyer that represented Monica Lewinsky in the early stages of the Clinton-Lewinsky thing. And he got booted off the case because I guess he was like he he was like a he'd known her since she was she was born or whatever he was like a friend of the of the Lewinsky family and Ben Ginsburg who looked like a C. Everett Coop by the way he got on television and said the most awkward thing this is a little uh, a little footnote from the Clinton Lewinsky scandal people don't really remember there's all kinds of weird sort of if you go through and you actually read and I have because I'm dull if you go through and you read the like the whole Ken Starr report about. Everything that went on between Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky, first of all, I'm going to say that, how do I put this? Everybody knows about the, the cigar and everybody knows about the dress and the whatever. What no one has ever mentioned, you know, there, uh, there are some, um, there are some intimate acts uh, that took place between Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky that are specifically described in the Star Report that no one in the press uh, ever uh, really discussed openly because they were just too horrifying. And if you uh, maybe I'll post that on my blog later, maybe I'll post a link to it. But in the actual language of the star report where he was listing like the dates and times and this is when Monica Lewinsky came to the Oval Office and this is what happened. And this is the day she put the blue gap dress in storage. At one point, he does discuss a sexual act that took place between Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. It's a matter of public record. It's like in the actual government report. And it's a sexual act that is so off putting that no one in the news, I mean, you think about what the news covered with the Monica Lewinsky, Bill Clinton thing, where they talk, again, they were talking about using the cigar as a sort of a stimulant. Yeah, that was pretty crude. Oh, no, no, this is so well, much cruder. I thought the was such a pervert. Well, he, oh, no, he was. He was like, I'm an incredible. Oh, no, he was, you just knew that he was. He I mean, was, on the way home, we said that the video started loaded up on pornos. <laughs> you knew that was happening. And rubber sheets, Tim, and Visqueen. 
Um, no, you got the idea that he was just uh, he was ready to go press John Proctor between two heavy stones. Uh, yeah, there was the cigar, there was the dress. So we obviously know what those acts, uh, you know, were. But there's um, yeah, I'll have to post something. Uh, I'll have to post yeah, something I have online to. because now it's now I need to know. See, the thing is, I don't think you want to know. I um, let me let me ask you this. Uh, you know, um. You know, Sarah, um, I'm trying to think of a way to... Uh, to say it but not say it? Well, I'm just saying uh, that, um, for instance, um, you know, when... I was going to say when a man loves a woman, and that's not really it either. I'll just... Faith. I'll say this. Um, you know, you're, everything has a beginning and everything has an end. Uh, a story, a saga, a record album, the... The system that food uh, it travels through in your body, uh, you know, the food uh, food goes into your body through, uh, you know, uh, one hole. Yes, and then uh, you know, and then uh, later on, uh, and I'm just saying, the good Lord put uh, the 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 beginning point and the ending point very very far away for good reason, because that's like a never the twain should meet kind of a thing. Uh huh. And um, and they did. Otherwise, it becomes a bit like a snake eating its tail. What? Anyway, Ben Ginsburg, who was the uh, lawyer who represented Monica Lewinsky in the early days of the Clinton-Lewinsky scandal, and that's a matter of public record, by the way. I'm not making that up. That's in the Star Report. Um, the Ben Ginsburg actually got on television and was talking about Monica Lewinsky. I think it was with Larry King, and he was describing how he had known the Lewinsky family forever, and he said the most horrifying thing, and he was gone from the case like the next day. He said, well, I remember when Monica was born. I remember kissing the insides of her little pink thighs. And I think everybody across the country kind of went, huh, and pulled back from her the television screen. Pink thighs? Kissing the insides of her little pink thighs. That's not me saying that, by the way. That was Ben Ginsburg, who I do believe was the guy who represented Monica Lewinsky. And amazingly enough, like five minutes later, he was no longer representing Monica Lewinsky. He was, uh, he was asked to step aside, and they got a real lawyer in there. So that's a, uh, it's a very strange period in American history, I think. By the way, you talking about Ken Starr being a pervert? Yes. Because in many ways, doesn't it feel like sort of the mid 90s all over again? Uh, with Barack Obama being just he's such a polarizing uh, president in so many ways, there's some poll that came out about that, and this, you know, the nutcase, uh, you know, talk radio, uh, you know, which are, you pasty know, white boomers, yeah, just sort of out there like uh, dusting off the Bill Clinton playbook. But it's weird that there is that kind of vibe in the air again because there's such a division about it. If you go back and you watch that um, that movie Quills that had Kate Winslet and Jeffrey Rush, who was the guy from Shine, which the Quills was all about the Marquis de Sade. Here's a little, a little in fact, the director actually modeled Jeffrey Rush's, uh, or not Jeffrey Rush, but the guy who was the prosecutor, the guy who was the uh, the persecutor of the Marquis de Sade, is modeled on Ken Starr. Because, man, it's like the instant you saw Ken Starr, you just knew that he spent a lot of time wearing a raincoat around the house and maybe talking to himself in a woman's voice. Or maybe he had like a, maybe he had like a hand puppet that he used that, t- that spoke like a small child. Mm-hmm. So, all right. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Straight ahead, more news from Tim Riley. Later on, we'll be talking to Harold Perrineau, formerly of Lost. Uh, Anna Ferris will be joining us on the Rick Emerson Show as well. Sarah Dillon will count down her five widest songs ever recorded. And a geek watch still to come. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101. KUFO. Don't go anywhere. 
It's the Rick Emerson Show in Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us. It's 503-733-2970. Sometime before the end of next hour, uh, we'll uh, give away another pair of tickets to see uh, Pennywise as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour coming to the Roseland April 14th. Later on, Anna Ferris will join us on the Rick Emerson Show. Also, Sarah Dillon will present her top five whitest recordings of all time. Have you emailed me yours, Tim? I did. Okay, yours will be on Thursday. Yes. All right, by the way, here's something else that didn't make the list. So I said uh, Love American Style by the Cow Sills. Uh, also, um, there are two versions of that, by the way. The single they recorded and the TV show theme. Well, because the TV show theme was it now a was lot it, faster. It was faster. It was it also 45. Was it the actual Cow Sills that did it? Yes. All right. It wasn't like a re-recording or something. At least that's what it says in the credits. Probably edited down. Uh, so I have Petula Clark, also the grassroots, and uh, and then on the uh, the more modern front, uh, relatively anyway. I almost used that One of Us song by Joan Osborne, which is like the very definition of something oh, white yeah. people listen to. That's like the... Her and the nose ring. And it's white college kids, especially. Or so the that hustle. Is, I should have put that. The hustle. Remember the hustle? Do, 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 do. All wow. these fools twirling around. <laughs> You sounded like you were doing weird um, sort of uh, poetry there for a second. All these fools twirling well, around. That's what I, I used to be one of those function DJs that would do weddings and things, and they always requested that, and I'm thinking, what fools? I mean, <laughs> Sitting out there looking at the audience with silent contempt, is watching the ballroom full of morons twirling around a baby got back. Yep. Yeah. And, and it just moments ago, some drunk is going to come up and demand the holly gully, and I forgot to bring it. And, and my evening is ruined because I don't have the holly gully. <laughs> you know what I had to always play as a, as a wedding DJ? It's uh, It was um, Friends in Low Places. Oh, I mean, yeah. there was any number of songs, but that was one of them. There was Friends in Low Places. Um, I'm trying to remember if I had to play Baby Got Back or if that's a thing that I've just sort of heard reference as a bad. I think that was actually after my time as a wedding DJ because that would have been like, God, I don't know. That would have been like a 92, something like that, 91. So I might have had to play mm-hmm. that, but I had to play uh, It Can't Touch This. That was one I had to, to roll and out There is no the such thing as a DJ having a good time in a room full of drunks ever. No. You regret every single one of them, and no. none of them get any better. No, and just lugging in all your own equipment. And, of course, this was back when we had – we didn't have, like – Thankless people every and, time. And I wasn't playing – when I was a wedding DJ, I wasn't playing anything off computer either. It wasn't like a hard drive or an iPod. It wasn't vinyl, thank God, but it was um, it was off CD. But they weren't even – but they weren't like radio sta- – like, you can pick up a radio station CD player, at least one. I mean, they've kind of fallen into disrepair now because so much stuff does just come off a hard drive, which is flawless. But – like a radio station CD player, a brand new one, you can pick it up and toss it across the room and that thing won't skip most of the time. Mm-hmm. Not these. These were like, you know, they were like whatever you could find at Costco that had been reconditioned for like $55. And it was always in some sort of like a hotel um, the ballroom that had a wooden floor and not the springy kind, like the crystal ballroom. So every time I would start to play No One Like You by the Scorpions or something, it's just a bunch of uh, redneck idiots in Spokane would start to jump around, and then the CD the would skip. Creaking. No. And then the CD would skip, and then they would all turn and boo at me like it was my fault that they were all pogoing around like uh, like morons. So uh, And then, uh, you know, inevitably the bridesmaid would come up, and then she would try to whisper something to me because it was going to be a secret song that she and all the other girls are going to play for the bride. But, of course, I can't hear her because she's whispering, mm-hmm. and then she just compensates by, like, shouting into my ear and covering her, me with her beer spit. <laughs> and, it's, and, and by the way, and that woman is always wearing a dress that doesn't fit. It's like two sizes too small, and, the, and you can just – and there's so much Aquanet that you fear she's going to go Hindenburg on you at any moment. Being a wedding DJ is one of the worst things. Under, and then get, like, having a slip disc as I'm carrying, like, these PV column speakers out to my car for $50. 
That's what I was paid for that. $50 and hours of my life that never came back just to me. Just a horrendous way to spend the evening, really. Seriously. Better off just uh, sitting at home and filing away one of your toes with an emery board. All right. Uh, in a moment, we'll have somebody who uh, wants to correct me on a, a white song he feels that I've missed. This, however, at the news desk is Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Oregon ranks as the unhappiest state in an online survey. Do we win something for that? I'm looking. Doesn't say anything. We so win far. only sadness. Silverton's transgendered man will get his own reality show. Possibly. They're uh, filming some five-minute teasers of Mayor Stuart Rasmussen. They're going to pitch them to some uh, several networks, as a matter of fact, and see if anybody bites. What's it called? Do we know? Do we nope. have the name? Nope, not yet. It would be called Mayor Ms. No, wait. May, May her. Mer. No, I've got nothing. All right. She's the mayor? She's the mayor. She's she, he, something. Now, this is, see, this is why I can't. This is why I have no real, you know, no real career developing uh, developing programs for air on the television. Tim. The Octo Moms reality show will showcase her search for quality men. Two people injured last night when uh, somebody built one of these uh Apparently, handmade airplanes flying around the neighborhood in the Couve, which sounds like it's dangerous anyway. And uh, it clipped a fence when it took off. Two people are riding in this contraption. fell about 10 or 15 feet. People in the area are familiar with these aircraft. They have two feet aluminum frame with an engine, a propeller, and a parachute. Oh, wait, all- not, not like a model airplane. It's one of those you build yourself, the kits. But, I mean... Are we talking about like a toy airplane that you build yourself and then it flies around while you stand on the ground and watch it? or you? No, no, you sit we- in this airplane that flies around. That you build from a kit in Vancouver. Yeah, mm-hmm. that seems. I mean, if, if you can't if you can't <laughs> see to the end of that story when you're doing it, uh, Vancouverite, that is uh, really you deserve whatever you fly into. That's kind of your own. That's your own boggle at that point. Well, you're probably wondering what Miley Cyrus is up to today. She says she wants to get a tattoo of her sister's name in her ear. <laughs> I'm not real great with pain, but I always said if I ever get a tattoo, the first thing that I would get is my big sister. She's like the most positive person I know, so I'd want to get her name on my ear somewhere. On her ear I don't somewhere? think you can do that. I think that's a thing that they won't do. You can get it behind that... your ear. Well, yeah, but that's not your ear. That's your don't head. Don't tell Molly Cyrus what you can do and not do. <laughs> I don't know. Now you can tattoo everything. You can tattoo your fingernails now. Which doesn't make any sense. To I don't me. understand. What do you mean tattoo your fingernails? I don't know. I know that you can tattoo your fingernails where it goes into the skin under your fingernails. So it would be, oh, well, but how would they even do that? How do they do it? Maybe you can go you through that? your nail. Do you, do you know that that's true? Yeah, I know some Maybe dirty whore finger in the machine. I know some dirty whore that has it done. Is she, was she a dirty whore beforehand or oh, did yeah. this, did this seal the whore deal for her? No, no, no. She already has, like she has. Is it, does this person live in like, Portland? Do I know her? No, you don't know her. Would I like she's to know an her? Evil person. No. Oh, okay. No, she's yes. She uh, gave birth to one of my friend's kids. So she was she's an ex girlfriend of one of my. Okay, so good it's like friends. a second, it's like a two persons removed yes. sort of a thing. And, and she's, she's a dirty whore. She's a dirty whore. She's evil. <laughs> what other attributes make her a dirty whore, Sarah? She's one of those girls that's a um, exotic dancer, but I think for twenty five bucks you could probably get a little bit more. Oh, I see. Shimmying yeah. up a dirty pole in <laughs> some establishment. <laughs> I almost uh, rhymed dirty pole with something else dirty on her. But, but the wow. Uh, so what is she? So she has a tattoo under her fingernails. Is it she all has, of them yeah, or so just one has, of like, them? Those then those on the knuckles. She has then, what? So she has the knuckles, but the knuckles that you see like the. So the, she has the first set of knuckles, then the second set of knuckles done as well. So like the flat part. So so the knuckles like where you'd have Ozzy or something, and then yeah. also the ones closer to her fingernails, like closer between the first and second knuckle, and then has her finger like her fingernails. So do they have to remove well. your fingernail to do that? Maybe your fingernails are porous, so you can like do it through. I don't think that's true. 
I think that's. Do you want to see a picture of her? I don't think your fingernails yes. are porous. I mean, I mean, I you know, it's like they're they're not formica or something. But I don't think you could just. It would still require a needle, right? Is this a yeah. picture of the fingernails or the dirty whore? Do you have to? I mean, is this a thing where maybe the needle has to go through your fingernail? That sounds well, uniquely think, unpleasant. I mean, wouldn't your nails be porous enough? Like, if you're jamming a needle on it, couldn't it go through? But doesn't that seem difficult? That would be like taking a. That's like having a sewing machine and deciding that you're going to run the sewing machine uh, through like a thick piece of plastic. That just—I don't think that would work. I think it would. First of all, I think it would blunt the needle. Second of all, wouldn't your nail just crack? That's what I would think. Also, too. wouldn't it be driving pieces of your fingernail into the skin? I know this is a horrifying conversation, but now I have to know. It really is. I wonder if maybe they they couldn't. They would, no, I still. It's actually something I think about too. I have no idea how you do it. Do they? Maybe they cut her fingernail down, but see how? But I don't know how they do that either because it's attached. Like you can't just get shears in there and just be cutting that thing off. Well, let's call the dirty whore and ask. Let's call the dirty whore hotline, mm. shall we? Is she awake? All uh, right, here we go. Here's her. You've reached the so dirty whore. All right, is it? So this is her fingernails here. Let's see. All right. So she's really genius. Oh. Are you sure that's? No, no, no. They're yeah, no. They're fingernail tattoos. Oh, she must be very nautical. There are anchors on her fingers. Those look like they are on the fingernail, not they, underneath. She, it's like she's a child. Like she's like, a oh, child. But you see what I mean? Those. It looks like it's on top of her fingernails. No, it's underneath. Here's my other question about that. If they were underneath the fingernails, you wouldn't think they'd be very visible. You think they'd be blurred because your fingernail is is uh it's 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 not clear. It's very it's opaque. You know, it's very um. Like you know, you clip your fingernail, you look at it. You can, I mean, you can kind of get see some light through. It's like a dirty window, though. Right, well, yeah, I don't know if well, like. Somebody, all right. Well, I demand clarification on the uh, you can get tattoos under your fingernails business. So if someone uh, knows, I demand to know about that because that's a just because that's a little piece of knowledge I like to have. Like, here's the thing. Let me ask you this, and then we'll uh, hear uh, that we'll uh, go to the phones and figure out what what white song it is that uh, I may have missed. So, is this or is this not true, Sarah? Can hmm. you get your makeup? permanently tattooed oh, yeah. on. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because I always heard that Ozzy Osbourne did that, but I didn't know if that was like the thing how Gene Simmons had a cow tongue no, stitched get, into his mouth. Yeah, you can get lipstick, eyeliner, um, eyebrows. Interesting. Blush, you can do it for Outlook Portland. And I'll worry about it again. Do it for Outlook Portland. I have my eyeliner and my rouge put on. What happens if you... I mean, I guess I wouldn't want to do that, though, because then you if you... You get a face uh, peel. You want to have it removed. Oh, really? It fades, though, Oh, too. so it's not permanent forever. No, I mean, no, I mean no. it's, it's permanent-ish, but I mean, it'll like fade to like a lighter... Like There's a, a plan like obsolescence tattoo. to it. Is it basically like a tattoo where they're, but it's like they're tattooing, again, for like rouge, they're like tattooing red or something onto your face? Like Ronald Reagan. Did he have that done? It almost looked like it. I think he was just drunk. Uh, hello. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who might this be? Hi, this is Jerry. Hey, what's up, sir? All right. Uh, I was listening to your uh, thing about the uh, whitest songs ever, and yes, I think sir. you missed the godfather of them all. Which is? Pat Boone doing Little Richard's Tutti Frutti. I thought about including Pat Boone. Here's my own defense. I thought about putting Pat Boone on the list, but the reason I didn't is that, and these are only distinctions, I suppose, that mattered, mattered to me and, and perhaps you. To me, that almost felt, again, like cheating. It felt like a novelty song. It, it all, here's the, the thing. To me... Including a Pat Boone version of a rock song would be like including a William Shatner version of a rock song. It just, it's like, how can you can't even take it seriously enough as music? I mean, and no one took it seriously as music, I think, even then. No. Um, no. So I almost felt like, because the thing is, like, if you include Pat Boone, it's like if you're doing a top five, we did this uh, one time, we did a top five songs about cars, but we made this rule that there was to be no Beach Boys, because then it's just nothing but Beach Boys. Well, so, that's true. Uh, that's well. True. But you can't get much whiter than Pat Boone. No, that is that is, uh, you know, up until and including that metal thing he did uh, some years back, oh. where it was like he was doing Ozzy Osbourne or like Alice Cooper or something. That was a hilarious album. Though. It really was. All right, uh, thank you, my friend. Hey, you bet. All right, there you go. Uh, this email says you can get your ear tattooed. I happen to have a little flower in my ear. Mm-hmm. 
That sounds like a thing a crazy person would say, by the way, when they're at the hospital. Uh, I suggest earplugs. It doesn't hurt so much, but the gun next to your ear is rather loud. Oh, because they got to do because it's the because. The, yeah, come to think of it, I think I have seen someone with it like in there. Well, wouldn't you be afraid to have a tattooing needle going like like right next to your ear? That's all your ear drum or whatever. Yes. Didn't they used to do that in the Hanoi Hilton? Isn't mm-hmm. that the, like, a thing they actually used to try to get information out of you? I don't wish to. Uh, yeah. I don't, I, look, I don't have any tattoos anywhere because I'm just a big candy ass uh, when it comes to pain. So much less on my ear or under my freaking fingernail. All right. Here's uh, Tim Riley. Well, because we have to play this on every newscast, it's Levi Johnston say, yeah. if it wasn't for Bristol Palin or Sarah Palin, they would still be together today. Well, she lost. That's when it started happening. When she got back, I think it's when it went downhill. That was an entire thought. <laughs> there was a verb and a noun there and everything. Uh-huh. Well done. Uh, then we go to Texas, where a woman ordered uh, an order of shrimp with her rice and didn't get enough shrimp, so she calls 911. I wouldn't get the two or five rice, so I said I'm going to get extra meat this time. I don't understand anything that's happening. Not one word. I'm going to send an officer. I just don't know how long it's going to take. Is that the woman in question? Sarah, by the way, well, not the woman on the 911 call. Sarah just showed us a photo of the woman, the alleged dirty whore, who has not the, alleged, has, <laughs> who has the who has the tattoo. I guess she admits to it under her fingernails. Really, that's a that's a classy that's a, bitch. <laughs> that's a filthy woman, if ever I've seen one. Seriously, it has like, to you be cannot said. scrub that dirty off. <laughs> no, I mean the Gresham Geisha. <laughs> she uh, she looks like she smells bad. I mean, in any number of ways. I mean, just, but bad. In any number of areas. See, but why do you have to take things to an unpleasant I'm level? I'm sorry. I was just saying smell. Is that I'm she's, saying her hair. It looks like she doesn't wash her hair. She smells of evil. I was going to say, she, the photo of, of this woman, she does look like she has that stink that is covered, like it's filtered through, through perfume. You know what I mean? Like it's, uh, it, like I had one of these days uh, recently where it's like I, uh, I got up and put on my, uh, you know, my antiperspirant or whatever in the morning. And, you know, I'd showered the night before and put on the antiperspirant the next day. But then you realize that I must have been kind of warm during the night. And so you kind of you sweat a little bit while you sleep. And you, the next day you discover that the antiperspirant deodorant, whatever it is, doesn't quite, doesn't quite do the job sufficiently. It does the job about 80% of the way. And so it's just a little bit of that body odor kind of coming through the prism of the antiperspirant. Thanks for warning us about that. I'm, no, it was the other day. What's not today? <laughs> not today. Not today. We uh, are far away here. But it's sort of like a, it's, so it's like a flowery sweat. That's what she looks like. Like the kind of flower that you would put in your ear. All right. This guy knows how uh, fingernail tattoos are done. Uh, so you'll have to keep us on time here because we got Harold yeah, uh, yeah, Perrineau from Lost. Uh, we must take a breather here. All right. So uh, I'm looking here. The Jason understands how the fingernail tattoo thing is. So, Jason, uh, hang on. We'll get to your uh, call here in a short order. It's 503-733-2970. Yeah, she looks, uh, she looks grubby <laughs> and dirty. You know what it is? That's a girl where you don't... Um, she offers you a little something extra for like 75, and you say, can I get the, can I get the thing for 25 instead? Anything, anything that lets you keep all your clothes on. Otherwise, you have to go... Dip yourself in bleach afterward. You don't want to do that. Let's get one of those Spencer's like novelty full body condoms. Exactly. Just carry a bottle of handy sand with you. All right, it's the Rick Emerson Show. Coming up in mere moments, Harold Perrineau of Lost Fame. We'll also find out how fingernail tattoos are made. It's the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. 
That's 503-733-2970. Coming up here in a few moments, we will talk with Harold Perrineau. Uh, his new show, The Unusuals, will be debuting tonight at 10 p.m., which is right after Lost. Which is weird. So that's got to be, uh, I'm going to ask him about that. It's, it's got to be kind of weird for him for his, like, for the new show to follow uh, the previous show. Because, although I always, and I'm not going to ask him this because I know he probably gets people all the time going, what, tell me what the smoke monster is. But I, they just sort of take it as an article of faith that nobody on Lost has ever really gone. Like, they just figure that it's a, oh, yeah. Well, they, I mean, they can do a whole, like, they saved the head kind of a thing where well, they bring him back. leaves the island with, uh, in the second season, and we're in the fifth now. So he leaves the island at the end of the second season because he turns in Jack and Hurley and Kate and Sawyer, uh, for his freedom. And then he's gone the entire third season. Then he's back uh, in the fourth season, but he's playing a completely different character, which is a little weird. It's all very confusing. It's a very confusing. Uh, hello. Hi. You're on the uh, Rick Emerson Show. How can I help you today? Oh, God. This whole fingernail tattoo thing. It's just wrong. So is it now? Do you Have you seen it done? Do you know I, I, how it's done? I, yeah, I've seen it done before. Okay. This is what you need to do. You know when your girlfriend or wife is polishing the tops of her nails with an emery board? Yes. Okay. Now, if you take that emery board and you keep going and it gets really thin... <sighs> And then you take it and soak it in water. The needle can actually go through the nail and tattoo the skin underneath the nail. Now wow. imagine getting bamboo shoved underneath your nail. Let's all imagine that together. Oh, yeah, shall that's we? Just awesome. Wow. Okay. So you're saying the dirty whore had her nails like shaved down to like skin? No, we're basically. not saying that about your wife, of down. course. Oh no, way. not your all wife. Right. I'm sorry. I was talking. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. No. all right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Right, oh, I didn't hear go. him say his uh, wife. Yeah. No, All right, thank you. That's your personal friend, the dirty one. That's, uh, let's, <laughs> yes, let's move on. Very close and personal. 503-733-2970. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show. Uh, Harold Perrineau, who, of course, is, is looms large in the popular culture landscape. Uh, Sarah actually went for the, uh, you went for the Romeo and Juliet uh, reference. The other I day. just watched Romeo and Juliet uh, less than a week ago. Well done. I uh, love it. Also, uh, HBO's Oz, which uh, was a favorite of mine for many years the Tom Fontana series, of course, Lost, and the new uh, series, The Unusuals, premieres tonight on ABC at 10 p.m. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Harold Perrineau. Hello, sir. How are you? Hey, Mr. Emerson. How are you? I am fantabulous, my friends. Good fantastic, to speak with you. Fantastic, fantastic. You just, is Sarah? Is Sarah? Uh, yes, yes, I'm here. You just watched Romeo and Juliet recently? I honestly did. My friend had it, and um, I have the soundtrack from when I was in high school, and I was right. and I was going through my iTunes, and I was listening to the soundtrack, and I'm like, hot dog, I want to watch this again, so I bought it for my friend. It holds up. I still love that movie. Oh, I thought you had never seen it, so I thought that's what I was like. Oh, oh no, I saw it twice in the theater when it came out. I gotcha, <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. And you were in high school then. Great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that meeting people who are like, dude, I grew up with you. And it's like, yeah, that's great. Actually, just before we kind of plunge everything else, I'll just ask you a question about Romeo and Juliet. So uh, that's Boz Lerman did that, and it's just. The guy has just such an amazing uh, visual style, which of course then was also in, in Moulin Rouge. Did you, when you're looking at a script, and I mean, it's, you know, the script is Romeo and Juliet, and you know it's going to be contemporary, but it's going to have this this very sort of visual panache that he layers onto it. Did you have any idea that it would look as astounding as it, as it does when you were making uh, Romeo and Juliet? No, no, I didn't at all. You know, at the time he had. He'd only had, there was only one movie out. It was a movie about dance. I can't remember the name of it right now. And so um, I, I had no idea what it was going to look like. And I, and I think I auditioned for it like eight times. I mean, it was like a long sort of process because he's so like particular and smart and, 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 and has so many ideas. Like you really have to work hard to keep up with him. So I had no idea what it was going to look like, but I knew it was going to be something like crazy because, you know, 
Baz Luhrmann's crazy. Uh, <laughs> crazy in a great way. Though. So um, I was pretty excited about it when I finally got it. And just the, the number of roles you've taken in things that are very, uh, I guess, again, the word is distinctive, where they they come out with their own particular uh, take and flavor on things that sort of becomes definitive, um, you know, through Oz, uh, through Lost, and then um, The Unusuals, which premieres tonight. It's it's following Lost in the time slot, which is uh, I don't know if that's a, if that's a little strange or is it odd for you for the new series to follow the previous series? Is uh, it to even think about know, it? It's a, it's a little weird for me, like personally, but it's a great thing for the show because Lost has a pretty big audience now. Honestly, I don't think we're going to have the same audience that Lost has. I, I think we're actually going to have a different audience because it's a very different show in tone and all this other stuff. Um, but I think it's a, it's, it shows that the network is really interested in us like being on, and so it shows great support for our show that they they would be willing to put it on after you know Lost, which is a big old big old hit. And so. It's it's good in that respect. Actually, in terms of tone, uh, I know that ABC has talked about the unusuals a bit as this, this sort of maybe the, um, the the gallows humor aspect of it, and they describe it as being kind of like a modern day mash. And how much pressure does a statement like that put on you as an actor, or as just a, as a professional? Well, uh, well, like it doesn't like like the, the reference from from mash actually only is from my point of view. It's it's because we don't. The Unusuals isn't a show that you've seen before. It's just like giving an audience like something to kind of go like, oh, it might be something like this. I, I don't actually think we have to hold up to like what Mash was. I think we're gonna uh, 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 we're gonna have to have you know our own our own voice. So like I don't feel necessarily pressure from that. I just feel like it gives you sort of a clue because it's difficult to describe like especially when you're doing something a little different. It's difficult to describe it in a way that'll get people interested in seeing it. And so if you liked Mash, if you liked Hill Street Blues, um, you, you might come and check us our show out. And that's and that's and that's how we sort of we can describe it. You cool. Know, well, in, in an easy way. Well, Harold, I'm the huge fan of Lost on the show, and so I want to know, do people ever come up to you on the street and you know your line, the the Walt thing? Do people ever come up and, like, scream Walt at you? You cannot imagine how much. <laughs> I, you know, we were on, I literally, literally, we were on the set in New York, like, we did a lot of, like, outdoor, you know, shooting, like, on location, and I cannot tell you how many times... <laughs> Somebody would be walking by, or they'd see, and they go, "Oh, what's that?" And they go, "Walt!" Hey, that's it. And I'm like, "Wow, this is hey." <laughs> Try to take it easy, and you know, like scream it like loud, cut. And that's uh, that's the next thing you'd hear. So. so, do you get a lot of people like that, along those lines? Do you get a lot of people who are pissed at you because you play the character Michael, who was so you know universally disliked after the end of the second season? I do, I do. There are a lot of people who are really. I mean, I, I think more people dislike the character, but then there are a couple of people who are like. Who are, who are just like me, who, like, I don't totally get it. Like, I get that, like, we like, you know, Jack and, and Sawyer. But, like, I've always been, like, he was trying to get his son back, and it was desperate. Like, you do whatever you could. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I, I kind of am still, like, really? But there were so many people who were so pissed at him and so mad that, you know, I actually, it's, it's cool. I mean, different points of view and stuff like that. But, well, yeah. Yeah, it means you do a good job at, at acting that part. Then I mean, because if you can evoke that, you know, kind of emotion in people, we're talking yeah, to. Yeah, it, it actually means that you know the writing is really good, and it actually you know strikes a chord in people, you know, happy or or not happy, and so 
um, I was, yeah, it was, it was a pretty fortunate thing. Like I said, I still don't totally get it, but you know, I'm trying. We're <laughs> talking to Harold Perrineau. He plays Detective uh, Leo Banks on The Unusuals, which premieres tonight on ABC at 10 o'clock. Of course, uh, Michael and Lost. And uh, going back to Oz, which was the HBO uh, drama series, you played Augustus Hill, and the character was so strong and so powerfully uh, written and acted. As an actor, when do you when do you know or do you even get the sense that you have reached the point with the character that you own it and therefore subsequent roles will be more difficult and challenging because you have to get back to a neutral space, basically, with the audience before you can create the new character? Oh, wow. That's a, that's a really good question. You know, at, and, and, you know, I'm going to find that out again with Leo Banks if we are fortunate enough to be on the air for a while. But somewhere like, I think, in the middle of uh, the, the second season of Oz, it all, all the lines just started to make sense. Like, as I read them, I could hear them. You know, originally you're, like, listening to them and trying to figure out what they're saying and what's going on. But as, as I started to read them, I could, I could, it was easy to, to remember. And one of the things that was really interesting is Tom would say, like, oh, yeah, you know, when I write now, I actually hear your voice. And I'd go, really? Because when I read it, I actually hear your voice. And so it's 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 easier to play, and so it takes about you know a couple of years, then you're kind of like in it, and then you know you really do have to. It takes a little while to back out of. Now with with Oz, you tried to back out of that as quickly as possible because it's a strange <laughs> it's a strange place to be, and it's I, I couldn't say it was a lot of fun to hang around with when I was doing Oz. I well because it's it's such a it was such a dark show and just had so yeah. much uh, emotional grit in it. Yeah. And you seem to be drawn to to roles that have a lot of that up to and including uh, the unusuals which is uh, where you are where Leo Banks your character is transferred from vice to homicide which of course just ups the uh, the ante even though there is some humor threaded through it. I mean it really does. It takes it to a much uh, a much bleaker place almost instantly. Well, but there's a lot of material well, actually, there. It's, it's Amber's character, Amber Temlin, has actually gone from vice to homicide. My character actually is a guy who's who's afraid he's going to die this year because uh, he turned 42, and that's when all the men in his family died. And so this is, and do you feel like having that mixture of the bleak and the comedic, is it, does it pack more of a punch that way than if it were to be more of just a straight-ahead, you know, kind of a, a straight-ahead police procedural, the way that we've kind of seen it a lot? Yeah, yeah, I actually think it does. I think it, it does, because in that way that, you know, you kind of talk to people, and then you make them laugh, and they open up, and then they're a little bit more accepting of you, and then suddenly there's some twist, and you're like, oh, and so that the emotional impact is really um, becomes really personal. Excellent. Harold. You know? and, I, and I think that's a really good thing about our show. Harold, I want to thank you so much for, uh, for spending time with us. Best of luck uh, with the new series, The Thanks Unusuals, uh, is uh, tonight. A series premiere is 10 p.m. on ABC, immediately following Lost. So continued success, my friend. Thank you Thanks, for guys. speaking with us today. There you go. Ladies and gentlemen, Harold Perrineau, formerly of Lost Oz, and tonight, The Unusuals. All right. Excellent. And uh, what's your name? Uh, uh, Amber... Uh, Tamblin. Amber Tamlin. Uh, that is Russ Tamblin's daughter, by the way. Russ Tamblin, who had a small part as like the sheriff or something on Twin Peaks, but he was also Riff in West Side Story. So there you go. So now you now you know something you didn't know before. That was so cool. And you know the weirdest thing is when I saw him on. Uh, I remember that guy. I remember the first time I saw him on Lost. Uh, but the first time I saw him on Lost, it was so bizarre. That's why I asked that question about having to uh, to get back to get back to a neutral point with the character. And uh, because, and I'm I'm glad he clarified that point about about not being you know uh, about not being transferred. I mean, he's a detective, 
but not having been uh, you know, transferred, having been the guy who has the fear of death, because just having him play kind of a straight-ahead cop role after following up, you know, lost, and then uh, Romeo and Juliet and Oz especially, it's just like one such a weird thing because I saw him the first time and I'd seen him just for years in that wheelchair on Oz being, you know, this like a convicted felon. And I think he was actually a double murderer or something on Oz. And he was the narrator of the series. And I mean, all of his roles are just so, um, just so layered to just have so much uh, texture mm-hmm. to them. So that's a guy that really, I mean, he just brings a lot to it. Well, I think Lost is interesting too because it revamped so many people's careers. Like, you know, there's the Lawnmower Man in it. There was, you know, uh, Matthew Fox who played, you know, who was in Party of Five. There are a lot of people on Lost who were just known for one thing. The like, Lawnmower Man. The does Lawnmower he look, Man. Does he look just as weird now as he does in that movie? He's kind of gruff and handsome. See, because that, I don't even know who that, uh, what is that guy's name? The guy that plays Job in the Lawnmower Man? Because I can't remember. I think, no, I'm I may be wrong about this, but I do believe that the guy who plays Job in The Lawnmower Man is the, I think he is the same guy, I think he plays the lead bad guy in Clint Eastwood's uh, The Enforcer, which is the third Dirty Harry film and the one with Tyne Daly. I think he plays the guy who takes the mayor of San Francisco hostage and goes to Alcatraz. Uh, and he has those like weird like crystal blue eyes. And, you know, he's a crystal blue eyes, but also like it's like it's, you ever see somebody? It's like you just go, that's ah, an unfortunate shape for your head, friend, because like their head because their head is just sort of there's nothing. We can Jeff really... Fahey. See, and I, so but I would you look up on IMDb and see if Jeff Fahey was in uh, was in Dirty Harry, uh, the Enforcer with Clint Eastwood, because it's gonna bug me otherwise. Okay, look at it. All right, so there you go. How cool was that? That oh, was no, no. the coolest thing ever. And plus, I already talked to Brent, and Brent's gonna take out that when he's. Saying how people come up to him and yell Walt. Is he going to take that thing where he said, where he gets Walt? Excellent. Oh, uh, so I've always wondered that. That's so great that, you know, people come up and, you know, dislike him and. Well, you, because you got, I mean, there's any number of, I mean, you know, anybody with a catchphrase, even if it's not so much a catchphrase in a TV show. I mean, it's one thing if you're, you know, if you're on there every week kind of pounding into people's, uh, you know, brains or whatever. What did you want to know if he was in? Right? If he was in The Enforcer okay. uh, with Clint Eastwood, would it have been about 1980, maybe? Something like that? Uh, let's see. He started. Um, 80, let's see, 68. I don't see it. Uh, so there's a guy, unfortunately, who looks just like him, which is which is rather regrettable. Because if you look like that, you kind of have no choice but to be uh, to become famous. I don't know. He's, he's, I think he's gotten better looking with age. I will say this final thing on catchphrases. You don't even have to be on TV, though, because uh, Affleck, I, after, I think, uh, Jay and Silent Bob strike back, I think it was Ben Affleck who said that, uh, that this happens to him all the time. Where it's, it's guys are They're always coming up and they're shouting that line that, you know, Affleck, you was the bomb in Phantoms, yo! Which is a thing that said one time, once in one Kevin Smith film that like nobody ever saw, and you know, behold the power of the media. I wonder if people come up to Matt Damon and just go, Matt Damon. Oh, dude, <laughs> un- undoubtedly, we ought to make that. Okay, we have to ask that question now. If we ever, you know, whenever we speak to an actor, uh, we have to ask if there's a line that people latch onto that they get spoken to them all the time. So there you go. All right, well, uh, Harold Perrineau, uh, Detective Leo Banks tonight, The Unusuals, ten o'clock on ABC. Tim Riley, uh, when we return, will bring us news information. Yes. All right. Perhaps more sound from, uh, what's his name? The impregnator. The Palin, the, the Palin impregnator. Yes, him too. Still to come today, Anna Ferris will join us on The Rick Emerson Show when Sarah Dillon counts down her five widest songs ever recorded. Stay there. It's The Rick Emerson Show. It's The Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Thank you for joining us this morning. <laughs> Not yet, Rick. It is seven. 
Is there another verse to this? <laughs> Thank you, sir. Round two. It's 503-733-2970. Don't forget, before the end of this hour, we'll be giving away a pair of tickets to see Pennywise as part of the Jägermeister Music Tour, which is coming to the Roseland April 14th. All uh, winners of those tickets, we're going to be giving away five pair of those this week. If you win uh, one of those pairs, you'll be automatically entered into drawing for the grand prize, which is a Jägermeister tap machine, a custom Jägermeister guitar, uh, a PV amplifier, JVC HD radio, and our esteem and respect, ladies and gentlemen. Also coming up later on in the show, we have Sarah Dillon's top five whitest songs uh, ever recorded. And Anna Ferris is going to be joining us. She's in the new movie Observe and Report, which comes out this Friday. This, however, at the news desk is Tim Riley. In the news with Tim Riley. Shiver me, Timber. Somali pirates have attacked an American ship with 20 aboard and taken over the ship. That happened up of uh, Somalia where all this stuff happened. Now the city of Portland and the Trailblazers have come up with a new plan to build a ballpark near the Rose Garden area. Somebody came up with this before, but apparently this is a brand new plan. Uh, because the soccer team is coming and they have to go to PGE Park and have the stadium all to themselves, selfishly. <laughs> they have to build a new ballpark if we still want to have baseball it's here. Because the, it's because the people want it, Tim. You can tell because of the way they asked us to vote on it before they decided just to do it and take our money. down our throats. No, no, Tim. No. But they should be named... My earlier suggestion, which I'm going to repeat because I, I beat good ideas to death yes, over and over again. As do we all. It should be called Cesar Chavez Park. And that'll make everybody happy because they won't have to name, change the name of a street because people don't want to change names of streets because they're used to things. Well, that's the, well here's something that's not changing anything. It's brand new. Well, and it satisfies – it seems like it would satisfy, as you said, all quarters because yeah. on the one hand, you, know, you get businesses that do that thing that they're on – You know, what, was it Interstate that became Rosa Parks? Yes. And so, like, no, Interstate didn't. It was Portland Avenue that became Rosa Parks. And then they wanted to change the name of Interstate to Cesar Chavez, but they didn't want that. So that, so that hasn't happened. No. See, because here's the, because the reality is that it takes about 50 years for everybody to, to sort of, like, basically you have to be born and grow up knowing the new street name. Right. Uh, as the only street name, or else you're just going to be like my grandmother, you know, who's still, you know, the like grandpa and, and Simpson. And if you're with Publishers Clearinghouse, they won't know where to go. It's like that grandpa Simpson thing. I'll be damned if I'm going to recognize Missouri or whatever. And so you still get like your grandmother who calls it an ice box or something. Mm-hmm. But um, so they, you know, the businesses don't want to change all their letterhead and all their stationery and, you know, the listings everywhere. Your GPS, by the way, that's the other thing. Depending on your GPS, it will sometimes not update correctly and it will not recognize new street names. Oh. I'm just saying, some of them do, but like you have an older model, like if you're like me, an early adopter, you got to double check that because you can make sure if you get the Bluetooth enabled, uh, it'll do that. But so it would satisfy the desire to have something significant named after Cesar Chavez, with which I, and I don't think anybody could reasonably disagree with that. He was, right, you know, they're not changing the name of anything. No, so why not call it Cesar Chavez Park? And here's the other thing. This is going to be for the this soccer stadium. It's going to be, and because soccer, of course, so huge all over the world, uh, big in, uh, you know, many Spanish speaking countries. It's big in, you know, in, it, you know, it, the, I mean, it really, America is the last kind of holdout for soccer being massively popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you go to like, um, you know, any sort of, um, Spanish speaking country and it, soccer is just, I mean, it's massive there, just like it is all, like all throughout Europe. So it seems appropriate. Uh, that we, you know, take something that is embraced, uh, you know, by different cultures and peoples the world over. And then we name the soccer stadium after it in Portland. There is a living symbol of multiculturalism, Tim. Charo? Yeah. <laughs> or we name it after Charo. <laughs> yes. No. Or Erica, else in mind. Eric Estrada. That would be great. Oh, good God almighty. All right. So anyway, the new baseball stadium should be called Cesar Chavez Park. And then we can just clear the decks to name 42nd after Douglas Adams or something. Or just, or, or at least not have to sit through the, uh, the, the Cesar Chavez news uh, cycle about every six months when they try to get something named after him and fail. And by the way, while we're at it, can we just get a resolution to pick a name for front? 
Call it front or call it NATO. Pick one. Quit calling it two I'm different so things. I'm so confused, yeah. It doesn't make any sense at all, Sarah. It's because it's a bunch of damn nonsense. And foolishness on my lawn. Here's Tim Rodney. So I have some chilling audio here. This is from uh, Binghamton, New York. This is when that uh, shooting rampage at the Immigrant Center came in. Uh, this is police urging the dispatchers to tell everybody to seek shelter, which probably wasn't uh, one of the better ideas. If you can communicate with anybody from them, have them lock their doors. There's no, no locks on the doors. They're, I'm trying to get them to use something. To- no locks on the doors. That's disturbing. So right from the outset, they knew who this guy was. Run that plate number so we have that. So they traced him right away because he parked his car to block the entrance. So that's how they found out who oh, he was. Oh, I see. So they were able to kind of figure it out. So now we go to these uh, these amusing sound cuts from uh, Bristol Palin's ex, Levi Johnson, making the talk show circuit. He's really... Well, he's really going after the family now because he has all this attention. He was a special guest on CBS's early show and uh, said that Palin treated him like a son. Was this today? Apparently so, yeah. Because today it was yesterday. Because I think he was on The View or some sort of sub-view type program a few days ago. These and, are brand new. And, and then I think on uh, Monday, he did something on NBC, on, uh, on NBC or MSNBC. Uh, so if he was on CBS this morning, I'm just saying, mm-hmm. uh, what with the mighty marketing power of, uh, of CBS Radio Portland, it seems like we might be able to get Levi Johnson on this very fine show. You would think so. I mean, I, I would take that in a heartbeat. Oh, dreams can come true, Rick. All right. Well, we'll look into it. Well, he said uh, Sarah Palin treated him like a son until she became the Republican vice president. Presidential nominee. When she lost, that's when it started happening. When she got back, I think it's when it went downhill. Yeah, well, she did treat him like a son. Of course, you remember she made her son go to Iraq. So uh. she did buy him a new suit of clothes, just like she would for a really? son, yeah. and, and perched him in the bleachers. She bought him a whole outfit. It's because she's good people, Tim. Uh, he believes that Bristol and he would still be together if it wasn't for the evil Sarah Palin. I think of the media and all the drama that comes with her running for that made a big impact on running for that you know what he sounds like he sounds like what's his name uh uh, biff from back to the future a little bit you know just kind of like uh he's got like a little like the the three cc brain and just a just a massively thick skull wrapped around it uh he says uh he believes their baby is uh, not a mistake trips everything me he's my little he's my little boy i don't know what i'd do without him when I hold him, it's, it's an amazing feeling. I just shake. I just love him so much. There's like a full-on uh, Coen Brothers movie happening just with that guy every single day of his life. I still can't figure out like how this is aiding him to be doing all this because you figure that, I mean, they're going to book him. I, I feel a Lifetime movie is in the making here. <laughs> well, it must be. I mean, or he's or he's a busy crying. Mean, look at that the freaking Joe the Plumber guy. Did the book? If they was, can't get Joe the Plumber, they get Levi Johnston. Get me Levi Johnston. Did, did we ever find the audio of Joe the Plumber being booed off stage somewhere a couple of days ago? And it was at a place where he'd been invited to speak. I think it was they like made it some, disappear. There was like some Republican conference that was to follow up on that horrible audio from I think a week and a half ago where he went on stage and said that he was horny, which is a thing you don't ever want to hear anybody saying publicly. Really, I mean, especially to say that in front of Republicans. Well, especially, no, no sex, please. We're Republican. We just have uh, we just have smooth <laughs> plastic in our groin areas. So uh, please don't discuss any sort of sexual excitement. But anyway, that, that guy, big fleshy lummox, uh, gets, gets up on stage behind a microphone. And the first thing he says, I mean, if you were to like list 
on, on a piece of paper all the things that you don't ever want to hear Joe the plumber be saying to you, I'm horny, that's somewhere near the top. Oh, yeah. That's right underneath. Your mother and I have something very exciting to tell you. I so all right. Here's Tim Riley. Now, Miley desk. Cyrus says she's a role model because she doesn't change herself just because she's famous. I don't try to change, and I haven't let what I do for a living become my life and completely affect me. You know, I'm going to make mistakes, and I would not trade that for anything because I always say the minute that you stop making mistakes is the minute that you start stop learning. And if I ever stop doing that, we're all in trouble because I, that's what life is all about. You know, my decisions sometimes not only disappoint <laughs> other people but disappoint myself as well. But, you know, there's times I'm going to do that, and, and if I don't, then all of a sudden I'm not real, and then you really can't look up to me. I don't actually have any other facets. Everything to me is my little, it's my little boy. I don't know what I do without him. When I hold him, it's it's an amazing feeling. I just shake. It seems like they probably have twenty nine levels of uh, compatibility, but that's just a guess. <laughs> I don't have any other uh, aspects to my personality or layers, so I can't actually change as such. Uh, Miley, how about a sequel to Head on Ten of the movie? No, no, she says it'd be like make a sequel to Gone with a Wind. This is a TV show, and we got really lucky with having the material to make one movie. To do another one, I feel like it takes away the reality of it all, and that was the point of this, is because people that are in normal high schools and stuff look at this and see a blonde wig and all that and say, oh, that's not real, which is completely true. You're not going to be able to live that life, and I can't live that life forever, and so I don't know if I would do another film, but I would love to do another season. What do you suppose the uh, the relationship between her and, and Billy Ray Cyrus is going to be like in 10, 12 years? Because she's very... <laughs> illegal. <laughs> no, it would be legal then, Sarah. Oh, that's true. It would be loving. Uh, deeply loving, Tim. I'm just saying, before it all turned weird, uh, the only point I was going to make is, she seems very... See, now everything sounds dirty. She's very into her dad. Um, but you know what I mean? Like, she's like, she was. Well, do you was... remember that photo shoot? Oh, I do. Uh, I think everybody will. Uh, I think that's been burned into our retinas forever. But she was, there was that quote we had from her last week where she was talking about, my dad is more of an artist than anybody will ever be. And so the critics and detractors, except she didn't say, she said something like with fewer syllables. Um, you know, they just don't know what they're talking about because my father is a creator and he is an artistic genius and whatever. And, you know, I'm, look, I'm all for having pride in one's parents or something, but it, they do seem a little bit joined at the hip. But you got to wonder if that's if that's because because she's not even like 16, I don't think. I think she's maybe six, maybe 16. I don't think she can be much older than that. She's certainly not, not 18 yet. Are you sure she's not like 17? I don't think she's a, she's not of majority. I would say that I don't believe she I don't believe she's a voting age. Certainly. I think she's a minor still because um, I think if she was. Look, let's just be honest. The number of, of, of weird, horny guys on the Internet, it, we'd know it if she was 18. Because, you know, there's probably a countdown clock Oh, yeah, just somewhere. like for the Olsen twins. There, wasn't there Whatever some, happened to them? Uh, well, they turned 18 and they're no longer interesting uh, to anybody because the only curiosity was, are they going to go nuts once they have control over their own money and, and fortunes, right? Because they were worth like a jillion dollars, but their parents controlled it all. And so there was... You know, a lot of speculation, not just for prurient reasons, but there was a lot of, once they have control of their own estates... Are they just going to go bonkers? The answer is yes, by the way. They're going to go bonkers, and they're going to give Heath Ledger a place to die. So that clearly is is how they became interesting. Then there was the thing for, what's her name, Hermione Granger? Yeah. I think there was like some countdown clock for her turning 18. There's right, so Miley Cyrus is 16. She's so, going to be 17 in November. But doesn't she already seem... Wise beyond her years? No, see, no. No, that's not it. I was going to say, doesn't she already seem like she's... Old? No. I was gonna, up? I was going to say destined to serve flapjacks somewhere. Um, you know, be, between Linda Lavin and, uh, like that woman who replaced Flo in the fifth season of Alice. But you have to wonder if this, 
if this the kind of unusually close bond that she and Billy Ray have is because she's a teenager, and if it's going to be like that Brooke Shields thing, because didn't Brooke Shields say once she became an adult, she kind of backtracked on her on her mom being the best thing that ever happened to her and turned out how her mom was nuts? Because I think Brooke Shields' mom was the one who shoved her into that weird Calvin Klein commercial when she yeah. was like 15, where she was basically talking about, I'm not wearing any panties, Brooke Shields, you know, or whatever. <laughs> Sarah doesn't know what we're talking about. Yes, I do. Have you seen the Calvin? You, do you ever see the yes, Calvin Klein commercial? nothing comes between me and my Calvins. Nothing. Which is just like a whole lot of, you know, I'm rubbing up against my denim. Calvin Klein. You know, <laughs> like, which is. I'm like, rubbing up against my denim. I mean, that's right. Seriously, I'm sorry, but denim. At you, Chase. You need to be wearing something between you and your jeans. Well. That just doesn't seem There is. Comfy. I mean, maybe she was wearing a, maybe she was wearing a nature's panty, Sarah. What does that even mean? I don't know. <laughs> she, That's, she wasn't wearing her petticoats. <laughs> on the what, way, like leaves? On the, <laughs> <laughs> Mama, give me, a, give me a bushel full of my stuffing twigs. I mean, I, that was a thing. Nature's panty, by the way, in my own defense, was a phrase that sounded funny and made kind of sense on the way. <laughs> like when it left the train station of my brain and headed for the destination of my mouth and your ears, it seemed to make some kind of sense. Once it uh, hit the air, I realized uh-huh. there was no logic there, but I thought I would let it pass, and then you had to ask. So the answer is I, I don't know. Nothing comes between my brain and my mouth. Nothing. All right. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. All right. Secretardvark.com is a website you ought to go to right now. That is with uh, two A's, and then there's like another A that happens later on, but you don't have to worry about that one. Secretardvark. Dot com. That's where you can find out more about Secret Aardvark, Abanero Hot Sauce. And uh, we've been talking about some of the places you can buy. You can get it at Whole Foods here in the Portland area. You can get it at New Seasons. But you can go to the website, and that actually simplifies the whole deal because you can find out about restaurants that have it. You can find out about other establishments where you might be able to purchase it. And you want to purchase it. You want to have it around. You want to keep it on hand because it really is a sauce you can use on almost anything that needs extra spice, extra heat, extra flavor because it is the best of both worlds. It's got a great uh, southwestern kind of Caribbean flavor to it, but it does have real heat. It has real punch. And sometimes you can tell, by the way, uh, you know, when you were having a, you know, you're having hot sauce and you're putting it on something, you can sometimes just sense when that hot sauce has been kind of made in, you know, like a factory somewhere where they've just, they've artificially added heat to it because it doesn't, uh, it just doesn't ring true to your taste buds. It just, you can sense that it's a thing where they have gone into a laboratory somewhere and they've like jacked up the heat just so they can advertise it as the world's hottest hot sauce, which is sort of, you know, loosely translated into a thing that you will buy for the novelty value and then never actually use. This is not the case with Secret Aardvark Abanero Hot Sauce. It is really flavorful. It has a great, um, kind of, tomatoey sort of onion kick to it and then underneath there's the habanero that's layered in and the net result of that is you can put it on almost anything so anything that needs to have a little uh, zing a little panache added to it it's going to work and it's also going to be flavorful enough and it's going to be uh, textured enough and have enough body to it that you can use it without uh, you know making the food uh, so hot that it's inedible it really is the perfect hot sauce it is secret artwork habanero hot sauce and of course uh, manufactured you know the recipe all of it right here in portland it's a portland company so you feel better, uh, good about that as well go to secretartvark.com and find out where you can find it served at restaurants find out where to buy it secret Artvark.com. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Don't exchange blood with a hooker. Oh, that touches me. This is Rock 101 KUFO. I heard that just now. I see what they did there. Fantastic. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Wednesday morning, ladies and gentlemen. 
Coming up here in just a few minutes, we'll talk to uh, Anna Ferris, who's in the new movie Observe and Report with Seth Rogen. I can't ask her this, so I'll just ask you all. Doesn't he look like a guy who probably uh, chews tobacco? Yes. I mean, you know, probably. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying. While when he's I... eating cereal. Oh, that's exactly how I picture it, Tim. I'm just when I bring up the mental, like you know, like you have your Rolodex or like on CNN when they, you know, when they have somebody reporting uh, you know, the, from a remote location, they show the stock photo, like the stock photo of Seth Rogen in my head is him kind of going, mm, and he's kind of got the lower lip out a little bit because he's chewing tobacco. I don't know why. Tim Riley is working on the following headlines on this uh, Wednesday morning. Fargo begins sandbagging again as floodwaters are expected to return to that tortured town. Lindsay Lohan is now considered suicidal. iTunes promised price hike takes effect buck twenty-nine to buy songs, but they say there is some for 69 cents. Where are they? They're lying. Levi Johnson continues to trash the Palin family all over the television. A Colorado man is denied the vanity plate, I love tofu, because the DMV considers it offensive. Wait a minute, the, the DMV where? In Colorado. Is it offensive to meat eaters? I suppose. All right, well, okay. And the Octomom's reality show will showcase her search for quality men. Now, when you say the Octomom's reality show, is this an actual reality yes. show? Yes, it's in the planning stages. I have it right here. Or is it- It's from InTouch Magazine. It's not one of those reality shows that, like, may or may not exist, but they're putting out the press release as though it does to try to make it happen. It says the series will be a cross between John and Kate Plus 8 and The Bachelor. What is John and Kate Plus 8? That sounds like one of those TLC shows with all the kids. I mean, it must must be another octuplet show. Yeah, I think they, she had six kids, and then they have, like, two extra ones. Oh, I see. So it's like a, it's <laughs> it's a real Octo life. Minus two. But oh, then that guy is, like, all, like... Um, slutting it up around town, you allegedly. Know, what they ought to be doing is they ought to just be, they ought to go back and they just should take sitcoms and dramas from like the 70s and the 80s, because that demographic is right now, you know, it's like the, the like the, the sort of 30 something uh, television consumer. And then they ought to make reality versions of all of them, because didn't they do a reality Gilligan's Island a couple years ago? In fact, I yes, know they did. Because yes, it had, they did. It had, what's her name? It had Morgan Fairchild, I think, was on it. She played the Jesus. I feel like Danny Bonaducci was on that too. Yeah, he's kind of He's on, on everything. Yeah, that uh, <laughs> nutcase ex wife of his. Uh, the, uh, so there's, but they ought to just take shows and, and immediately just go bang and create an alternate reality version like the uh, they would have the reality eight is enough uh they ought to do the reality friends uh where what they do is they take a whole bunch of you know what they ought to, here's this no would be a longer great show. friends no 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 this would be a great show they ought to do a show where you have to you must replicate the existence or the sort of setup of a show within a realistic budget. In other words, they put you in Manhattan and you have to find a, you have to find a loft and you have to find, uh, you know, the, all the accoutrements that go with that, but you gotta do it on the purported real world income of whatever it is those characters actually make. You know what I mean? So you figure out like how much Joey makes, uh, every year on Friends. You do that for all the characters. And then you drop them down in the middle of Manhattan, and then you say, "Okay, there you go. Go recreate, uh, you know, the setting on Friends." You end up living in somebody's dryer, trying to make ends meet. <laughs> Seriously, you be- you become a pantry dwelling uh, Manhattan resident. All right. Oh, did Brent send you the? Uh... Yeah, he sent me that. Well, first of all, he sent me the the I love tofu mm-hmm. could actually be misconstrued as I love to f you. Oh well, there you go. But he did. It. I think he might. I think he made a sweep of the Walt thing. Let me see. Let me see. Let me see. I think it right. says more about the DMV, by the way. Yeah, I do too. What else? I never you know the Kenneth Star of the DMV came up with that. <laughs> All right. So this is our new um, Michael or whatever Harold sweep. Is that from? The, wait, is that from the, the show? No, that was him when he's just like people come up to me on the street and say. That doesn't sound like. No. <laughs> it sounds like he's had a bad burrito. It sounds like he's. A little pukey or something. You know what that sounds like? That sounds a lot like, uh, hold on. That sound, can you play that one more time? Yeah. That sounds a lot like this. 
right oh, there. Oh, God. Wait, maybe we can play them at the same time and you can end with the splatter. Ready? This way, hold on. One. Two. Two. Wait, are we doing it on three? Wait, one, two, after? three. Okay, one, two, three. Bam. So it's on the fi- it's on the, the theoretical four. On the invisible four. four. Okay. Yeah. Okay. One, two, three. <laughs> <laughs> that needs to be put on the station demo. <laughs> oh, man, I want to scope that out and send it to a consultant and every client who's thinking of buying an annual Loop right back now. for five minutes and give it to every salesperson to go out with. And can't you just see the, uh, so this is our new uh, morning show. We, uh, we sense there's going to be great things ahead here. No, it's, uh, we think that Acum uh, and TSL are going to be uh, through the roof. Uh, we foresee uh, probably top three uh, in persons with this. No, no, Darn no, it! I was off. Now, see, that's why we'll never get into the top yeah, three. Yeah, I my, know. My, my, so we can get it right a couple finger, times. Wait, let's try one more. Just into the... Okay. Right. One, two, three. All right. I'm sorry. That was my court sound. This is court from Stump the Movie Douche, I think. We have to stop right we now. We have to stop. <laughs> All right. This is the, that's the thing that's going to get out of control almost immediately. <laughs> uh, straight ahead, we will talk I'm to... I'm jealous because I don't have one over here. <laughs> it's the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO. Anna Ferris. Straight ahead. Stay there. Here, radio is heard everywhere. The Rick Emerson Show returns. What a catastrophe. This is Rock 101 KUFO. It is the Rick Emerson Show. It's Rock 101 KUFO, ladies and gentlemen. All right, right now we are going to take caller 10. If you are caller 10 right now at 503-733-2970, you'll win yourself a pair of tickets to the Jägermeister Music Tour featuring Pennywise. You'll also pick yourself up a Pennywise skate deck. Concert happens uh, April 14th at the Roseland. You must be 21 or over to win, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you will uh, be qualified for the grand prize of a Jägermeister tab machine, a custom Jägermeister guitar, a PV amplifier, JVC HD radio, and the respect and admiration of your assembled peers. So that is caller 10 right now at 503-733-2970 for tickets to see the Jägermeister music tour featuring Pennywise. In a uh, few minutes, we'll be joined by Anna Ferris. Uh, her new movie, uh, Observe and Report, uh, also uh, starring Seth Rogen, opens this Friday. Tim Riley's working on the following headlines on this Wednesday morning. A Corvallis legislator vows to ship down the Oregon School for the Blind. A Gresham dad gets 50 years in the federal pen for using his own kids in online porn. 71% of the nation's largest companies plan to lay off more workers in the next six months. Mm. Kelso Roberts used a victim's car to repeatedly run him over. Silverton's transgendered mayor gets his own reality show. iTunes promised high price hike takes effect. They say there are 69 cent songs. Where? Where? Most of them are buck 29 now. And I should say, by the way, if you've seen the way that that story has developed online, it's interesting because it was, I think, iTunes because they are the world's largest music retailer. I think even surpassing Walmart, which is, mm-hmm. which I don't say snarkily. That really is, that really is quite something. So iTunes is the single largest retailer of music on planet Earth. And so the record company, of course, went right after them, like out of the gate. They were the, you know, they were the, they were the, the store that got hit the first where uh, the record companies are like, look, you can't keep charging 99 cents because because we're just going broke here in the record industry. We just, our profit margins just aren't high enough. And so iTunes, I think, finally sort of, they caved to it for for whatever reason, which is, it doesn't really make any sense. It seems like Steve Jobs would just have those guys uh, by the short hairs at this point. It seems like he would have the record industry in such a hammerlock. Um, but I think the fear probably is, because there was a lot of sort of snarking about it. I think the problem is that iTunes is probably afraid that that. The record industry would, you know, somehow that they would cut a deal with somebody else to kind of undercut their share of, of the market or whatever. So iTunes raised everything to a dollar twenty nine, and then immediately 
It was a bunch of articles and blogs and the message boards. We were like, screw that. I'm going to buy all my music at Amazon. I'm going to buy all my music somewhere else. If they're buying MP3s, they're going to do it elsewhere. And then it was like the next day that Amazon did it. So it does seem like it's an across-the-board price increase. Yeah, I haven't bought anything in a long time due to my austerity budget. Um, I gave up all the things I love, including iTunes and the Sunday Times. And sunshine and rainbows, Tim. Yes. You also gave up kittens chasing balls of yarn around yes. the house. So the tracks are all going to be a dollar twenty nine each, which is, I have two further thoughts about that. One, does that mean that a record is still nine ninety nine on iTunes? If the tracks oh, that's are a good question, I don't know. Because isn't that the deal on iTunes? That the and I have to say that for the record, I don't use iTunes because I don't have an, I don't have an iPod. But um, uh, but if the tracks are ninety nine cents, and then the record was nine ninety nine, if the tracks are now buck twenty nine, does that mean the record's like twelve ninety nine? Because here's the thing about that is then you're inching back up into paying for the physical record. That's as much as you were paying for an actual physical CD. Which don't get me wrong, I'm fine with if you're paying for the actual physical CD. But it seems like if if online music sellers is selling MP3s or M4As or whatever the hell, um, if they're going to be cranking the single price up, and you're going to be back to paying fifteen bucks, then you have to ask like, well, what what the hell? Because you're not getting the liner notes. Like I'll have to tell you this: I actually bought um, I bought at one of our very fine local music retailers the other day. I purchased the double disc. Uh, wire soundtrack. The soundtrack it's called uh, "And the Pieces Matter," and it's a two uh, it's two discs, and it's five years of music from the TV show The Wire. Because there was like a great booklet, and there's like artwork and all this stuff, and I'm totally fine with paying that. So that would be my first question. My second question is, and you just hit on it. I think if you go to iTunes even now, it says it with songs as low as sixty nine cents. I'm not saying that's a lie. Where is the sixty nine cents section? I don't know the answer to that, Tim. Where might that be found? That's a uh, that's a thing that I can't quantify. I don't really know what the uh, I don't really know what the answer to that is because you get the feeling it's like one it's like a, a record of like um, just zither music or something that they stuck way 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 in the back of the store. Classic stand melodies, exactly. The many moods of Murray Wilson. That's and it's where they have those two little magic words: the and up uh, that are hidden there in like five point uh, you know uh, like uh, Roman uh, you know times Roman type at the bottom. That can't even be uh, can't even be run. Uh, here's uh, more news with Tim Riley at the news desk. Well, anyway, safety teams are warning of catastrophic wiring in Iraq. We've heard about this before, all these military personnel getting electrocuted over there. Mm. Now the warning again. Uh, so the people who wired this were Dick Cheney's pals at KBR. And apparently, since the war began, nobody's done anything, and people are still getting electrocuted taking showers. Stop taking showers in Iraq until you get home anyway if you can. Well, if you're in Iraq, really, I mean, shower, you know, it's just going to be dirty again five minutes later. It's going to be uh, covered in uh, sand and hate. Uh, because you can't get enough news stories about Lady Gaga. Now she says she's been clubbing since childhood. <laughs> she's only 22 years old. It turns out the just legal young lady had actually been hitting and hustling inside New York hotspots with her mama since she was, well, before she was allowed to drive. I've been playing out clubs since I've been in high school. Since I was 15, my mom used to take me because I was too young to get in. She's super cool, says Lady Gaga. Comments on the Lady Gaga? Uh, I don't like her. Sarah and I were both kind of looking at each other, wondering if we should. I had the opportunity to meet her a couple weeks ago, and I declined. Did you pass on that? I passed on it because she's so uninteresting. You were not Gaga for Gaga. No, but Pat. She looks like a wax statue. (laughs) Yes, she does. That only knows a certain number of phrases. You must pull the string. She's she's sort of a uh, she's like a a Tussauds performer. All she's doing is just revamping a whole bunch of like her '80s look and everything, like just taking things from the '80s and trying to make them all fresh and new, and then. 
I don't know. I haven't heard any of her songs, though. Well, who so. is it? I'm always, I sound like such an old guy here, but Lady Gaga, I'm always confusing her with, what's Lady, what's her name? Who is that other Lady something? Lady there? Sovereign. Lady Sovereign. And I like she's Lady the, Sovereign. She's a rapper? She's a sassy British rapper. Uh, yeah, so she's from, uh, see, I dig her. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Lady I've Gaga. I've seen her. Yeah, she opened for um, The Streets. That's, she was awesome. Okay, right. Here's Tim Riley at the uh, news desk, ladies and gentlemen. Those two Morris County men in New Jersey who created that UFO hoax. They were using balloons and some string from a fishing pole and some flares. Well, they admit to doing it, and now they've been fined $250 each just to teach them a lesson never to do that again. And this is not because they were just fooling the local rubes, which doesn't seem like it's the most difficult thing in all the world, right? right. This is because they were actually... This is the key to the genius here. They were actually uh, tying flares, which are in fact live fire, to a balloon and then uh, attaching the balloon to a piece of thin string and then just letting it float, float, float away. Ah, that's wonderful. Do we have time for a Geek Watch? Yes, we do, Tim. All Let's right. plunge headlong Let's into that. your Geek Watch for Wednesday. This high-speed modem is intolerably slow. In the Quasar Dilemma, I remember you used just a television show. That's all, okay? <laughs> right, but because we were wondering if the quantum flux... And just listen, on there, there is no quantum flux. There's no auxiliary. There's no goddamn shit. You got it? Energize. Here's your Geek Watch for Wednesday with Tim Riley. Well, okay, you geeks. This comes from Sydney, as in Australia. Hugh Jackman said he is heartbroken. His new film, X-Men Origins Wolverine, was leaked online a month before its official release. The movie focuses on the beginnings of Jackman's Claude, Marvel superhero Wolverine. It's not scheduled for release in the U.S. till May 1st. I like the uh, the series of words. Uh, it focuses on Jackman's Claude. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. But, Tell uh, me more about your Claude, Mr. Jackman. <laughs> well, it's a long story. This began appearing online last week. 20th Century Fox said the FBI and the Motion Picture Association of America are investigating and promise to prosecute those who are responsible. I think it's, I've read something that's been downloaded, and we don't advocate, condone, promote, uh, endorse, or encourage this behavior, of course. But I read something where it's like that Wolverine thing's been downloaded like one million times or a million and a half times, and I think that's actually just in America. Did you see, what's his name? Was it, um, I want to say Tom Friedman, but that's not right. Who was the guy that the the, uh, the the writer for um the writer for Fox that got fired for? Oh yeah, I know who you talked about. I can't think of his name. I want to say was it Roger Friedman? He was, a, but he was, a, he was a very, he was a, a like a very notable writer. Uh, he was a guy that wrote for Rupert Murdoch. I think he wrote for like the and the New York Post or something. But he wrote this, and he was a very high profile guy. And he wrote this advanced review of Wolverine, and he actually said, "This is how smart this guy was." He actually said. In the review, he goes, oh, by the way, I downloaded this illegally, and uh, I'm watching it on my laptop right now. <laughs> and then it was like, it, like I think 90 seconds later, that Rupert Murdoch just kind of pulled him into the office and said, uh, no, you you have to go. So they uh, they blew him out. So don't do not do those things. Because you're going to upset uh, this uh, fellow Hugh Jackman. Well, and also, and I haven't seen it, of course, because uh, Rick Emerson, like everybody here at CBS Radio, uh, respects copyright law and intellectual property. Of course. I will say that the advanced word on that movie is is uh, is not tremendously strong. Um, I guess like not the anymore. version. Well, I think the version that was floating around, it was like a lot of, um, it was like a work print. So there was a lot of like scene missing uh, stuff. It was like you go to. It was like if you see those, I guess the early sort of work prints of Star Wars that they were screening for people. Just a storyboard of somebody pointing at the sky. Not, well, it wasn't too far from that. Like if you saw the early cuts of Star Wars, apparently, there were all those sequences, like the sequence where uh, where Han and Luke are gunning at the TIE fighters or whatever. Uh, you know, and Luke is saying, I got one! And then Han says, don't get cocky, kid! That whole sequence, because they hadn't done any of the special effects or the model work for any of the uh, the TIE fighters. 
Um, it was all just what Lucas had done is he had spliced in footage from World War II dogfights, like black and white uh, film. And so they do that a lot. They leave like temp effects or a temp score or something. And I guess the copy of Wolverine that was going around, it was really that. It was like, and now I shall release my adamantium claws. And then like a, like a crudely animated stick figure, like a do-do-do-do-do. And then they would uh, go back to the action. So he is... Uh, Understandably, not all that uh, not all that enthused about that being the version that everybody apparently saw. Here's Tim Riley at the news desk. A vegetarian in Colorado is bewildered after a request for a vanity plate is rejected. Kelly Coppenley's request for a "I love tofu" message was originally approved and later denied. The Colorado DMV told her the uh, uh, bean instead of meat message could be offensive. After a second interview, it turned out the message "I love tofu" spelled I L. V-T-O-F-U could have a steamier meeting. I just, I like the idea that the DMV was the ones who caught it, though. Uh, that it actually never occurred. She didn't uh, think of it. And in fact, I don't think any of us uh, actually registered that. It was the DMV who, of course, looked and they see filth everywhere. They look at the world through filth-covered glasses. Sarah Dillon, where are we with uh, the lovely Anna Ferris? Uh, so Nibbler's on hold right now with her people, and it's supposed to be like one or two minutes. Her people are talking to our people. Her people are talking to our people. Right. We can play a song and then come back really quickly. Well, do we? Uh, do we want to? I'll let that be your. I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to keep Miss Ferris waiting. I'll let it be your uh, your judgment call on that. Mm, well, do we have the, anything else we could be doing? What is this? Uh, we've always got other things we could be doing. Yes. I mean, we the, could be doing calisthenics. The question could is, could we be doing more of this? I. <laughs> we could also be doing more of the. <laughs> We could, let's never be doing more of that, except for this right here. Okay. Stop. It's just a sampling of what kind of program this is. Quit it. Quit it. Okay, done, done, and we're done. Not All right, it. we've killed All enough right. time. It's 503 Tim Riley is at the news desk. Anna Ferris joining us here in just a moment. American workers might not want to hold their collective breaths for a turnaround in the job market before the end of the year. According to Business Roundtable, a quarterly survey of the nation's top 100 largest companies, they found 71% of CEOs expect to cut their workforce even further in the next six months. That's up from 60% when the survey was taken November 2008. It's also the highest percentage since the roundtable began its survey in 2002. So it's not over with yet. Well, let's talk about that breakfast burrito, shall we? A commercial truck driver crashed while reaching for his breakfast burrito, closing down a stretch of I-5 and closing down southern Oregon to the rest of civilization. He crashed his big rig, loaded with some uh, uh, joints. Not the kind that some people... These are construction joints. <laughs> that they use in the construction of holes. Uh, it could be taken many ways. And the, uh, that I'm rumbling you hear is the fast. assembled uh, vibration of 10,000 pairs of feet leaving Eugene right now, <laughs> heading toward the site of the accident. <laughs> it probably is. He was reaching for breakfast burrito while trying to take a right-hand curve turn. The truckload of joints would explain his fetish for getting the burrito into his mouth as soon it as would. possible, though. I mean, really. So these joints used in the construction of new homes and businesses. I wouldn't live in a home that was constructed with the use of joints, Tim. Litter the roadway. Causing the, the uh, interstate to close down. As for the burrito, well, we don't know if he ever got to eat it after all. All right. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's uh, the like Rick Emerson Show. Let's, I'm, let's do this. Well, I'm going uh, to pick this up here. If you, this sounds a little uh, awkward right now. It's because the uh, like everything we've got lined up is like nine minutes long, such as your top five, such as the song, such as whatever. So, And you know that what, here's what will happen, just a little uh, peek behind the curtain, is that we will immediately uh, fire the song or we will start the top five or I will begin to take a lengthy call from somebody, and it's at that moment uh, that the uh, Anna Ferris call will be uh, mm-hmm. will be put through. I don't know. I could take this mystery call. Do it. All right. Uh, hello, you're on the Rick Emerson Show mystery call. How might I help you, sir, madam, as the case may be? Yeah, Tim, sir, Rick. Good yes. morning to you. Oh, hi. Hello. Good morning. Um, I, have, I have one of these wonderful license plates that actually got through the DMV. Um, now, is this going to be... So we, hold just, just before... Ah, see, there we go. That's how we made it happen. All right. My apologies, sir. See... That's what we ought to do in the future. Whenever we're kind of in that awkward holdover period, I just take a call, and then immediately everything gets put through. All right, it is the Rick Emerson Show on Rock 101 KUFO. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show, Anna Ferris, seen in House Bunny, Lost in Translation, Scary Movie, uh, Brokeback Mountain, and, of course, Observe and Report, which opens in theaters everywhere on planet Earth this Friday. Anna Ferris, how are you today? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you doing? I am fantabulous. Thank you for joining us on the program today. Um when you uh, when you see a movie like Observe and Report on the page, you see the script. I don't know if you if Seth Rogen was attached, who was attached to it. What was the deciding factor for taking taking the role? What uh, what kind of flipped the switch for you? Uh, there's a scene where I get to vomit all over myself. <laughs> we love vomit. <laughs> that's, always, that's always a draw. Um, no, actually, I had seen Jodie Hill's first movie with Danny McBride, Foot Fist Away, and I, I loved it and. Uh, of course, was a huge fan of Seth's. So uh, when uh, when this project came around, I was uh, I really wanted to be a part of it, and uh, you know, I was calling every day, like, what are they doing? Where you know, who are they going to cast? I want to do it. Um, so yeah, and the next thing you know, I'm so you were, vomiting. So you were like John Favreau in the, you were like John Favreau in Swingers with the answering machine message, just going, hey, it's uh, Tana again, just wondering about that yeah, vomit yeah. movie. I uh, you just call me back. Yeah, completely. Uh, this and I think eventually uh, it went around town and nobody else wanted to do it. I was like, oh, please. Your character. Your character work at, works at a, a cosmetics counter, and my producer Sarah and I were actually discussing this during the break. About is if you're doing something like playing a, you know, a girl who works at a cosmetics counter, which I'm assuming you probably never did. Do you base that like do you go to like a I don't know to like a Walgreens somewhere and you watch the girl behind at the Mac desk and then you base it on her, or do you just sort of do you create it out of, out of thin air? Well, you know, I, I wish I could say that I I did a ton of research, but. Honestly, the, the role was written so specifically. It feels like this is the kind of girl we all know, one way or the other. I mean, she's she's pretty awful and and really superficial and very very snotty. So here's and, what you should do. This is just my little piece of advice. Yeah. The only advice I'll give you today: that what you ought to do, whether it's true or not, you should create a fictitious real life person on whom you base this, and be sort of vague about it, so any number of your enemies might think it's them. Good idea. Right. You're right. All right. So this was a girl that I knew in high school, exactly. and uh, and I totally based it on her, and I followed her around for a while a few weeks ago or a few years ago, whenever we shot this movie, and um, wouldn't that be great? And then you just... I, or I, I like to do that with ex-boyfriends, too. And then you end it by saying, and, you know, um, if you're out there and you go to see Observe and Report this Friday, as most of America will, I, uh, I'm sure you'll recognize yourself, and I hope yeah. you're happy with your life. And then just bat your eyelashes really sweetly. Yeah. 
It's like that song, you know, you're so vain. Exactly. You were on, speaking of, of yourself and your life, you were on Entourage. Uh, you did, uh, I think, three episodes on Entourage where you were playing yourself. Is it a dumb question? Is it hard to, to play yourself or is it, I mean, is that weird? Yeah, you know, and it's not, it's not dumb. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was going to be easier than it was, actually, because I, I wasn't exactly a spoof of myself, but I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't me. And, uh, and it was, it was a little strange. I, I felt a little lost sometimes. Like, how do how do I do this exactly? But um, I uh, it, it was it was really fun. Turns out I'm a lot wealthier on Entourage than I am <laughs> in real life. Well, that's always <laughs> nice. Thinking, man, those scary movies paid better than I thought. <laughs> but um, but it was it was it was really fun. It was challenging though. In that sense. We're talking to Anna Ferris. The new movie is Observe and Reported. It opens uh, this Friday. And in addition to acting and you know, playing yourself, and you also produced, because you were starred in House Bunny, but you were the producer as well, and you kind of pitched the, the concept and the, and the story around. Is is that more or less stressful than acting, producing? Which of those is the what's more nerve-wracking? Oh, that's a nice question. You know, I, producing that movie was so, it was, I didn't have that much power because it, because it was my first time doing that, but... Um, it was so rewarding, like every day to come to set and be like, "Oh, you know, this was an idea that a character that I had thought of years ago, and now here we are." Sort of, it's my dream is sort of realized. And as an actor, you have much less uh, when you're just sort of like an observant report. I didn't have um, the same kind of responsibilities, but um, so I found the process really rewarding. I'm not sure, and I would love to do it again, but. Very, very stressful. Is it surreal to see something that that you sort of dreamt up uh, kind of come to life right in front of you? Does it does it sort of uh, does it make you feel a little uh, off kilter? Yeah, completely. And um, but I, I, you know, it made me realize like, oh, you know, I can. I, the boys, like all the comedic, you know, male actors, they all create their own projects. You know, they they, they Adam Sandler and Will Ferrell and Seth Rogen and. Um, it made me think like, oh, you know, maybe maybe there's something I can actually do as well. Um, Observe and Report opens Friday. We're getting, I mean, the, we, um, we the, the critics we've talked to who've seen it, they're a, a good friend of ours, Don Taylor, who writes for Cinematical and AOL, saw it and said it was fantastic and hilarious. And she said that it was a lot, and she meant this in the best way. She said it was a lot more um, twisted, I think was her word, than maybe you might expect. She said it's got a real warped sensibility to it. It really does. It is. It is one of the more twisted movies. It's definitely the most twisted movie I've, I've been a part of. It's Excellent. there are elements that are really dark and edgy, and most of the characters are so unlikable, including mine. And um, well, that's because of that girl in high school. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, but I, but I loved being a part of it. It felt like sort of this new wave of comedy that is. It's really unapologetic. It's like. Um, it's, it's a character study, which was really cool. Anna Ferris, the movie is Observe and Report. It uh, opens this Friday. So uh, continued success to you, and thank you for spending some time with us today. Thank you so much. Right, thank you, Anna Ferris, ladies and gentlemen. All right, fantastic. Greg, if you want to... She sounds as sweet as she, uh, as she looks. She uh, sounds very down-to-earth, no, mm. like no, a friendly next-door neighbor. And, you know, and my own, my whole thing, my goal with every interview is just to not be like like some jackass DJ that they had to talk to at some point. And, you know, so there you go. But you are, it. Rick. I think... You made her feel very relaxed. I resent the implication that I'm a jackass DJ.
Hey, this is Rick Emerson. You've heard me talk about Everybody's Garden Center. They've been in Portland for 25 years doing one thing, and they do it well. They specialize in indoor and outdoor gardening accessories, supplies, knowledge, and know-how. And the staff can walk you through all the questions about nutrients or pest control, lighting, everything else that comes along with owning a garden. Go see them at 2701 Southeast 14th between Division and Powell. 2701 Southeast 14th between Division and Powell or online at everybodysgardencenter.com. Everybody's Garden Center. The Rick Emerson Show returns. I cannot tell you how many times somebody will be walking by and they go, Whoa! This is Rock 101 KUFO. That's fantastic. Well done, Brent. You win a cookie. It's 503-733-2970. You don't win a cookie. There are no cookies. Only Zool. Uh, Gregory Nibbler, will you join us in the studio for a moment, please? You know you have to put together some Futurama sound to call him into the studio. Well, I'll just use the one where uh, where Leela says, isn't he cute? And then and then uh, when when uh, the character of Nibbler and Futurama gets the power of speech in that episode, he goes, uh, my name. I'm doing, no, I'm doing like a Diamond Joe Quimby thing there. When he says, I am Nibbler of the Nibblonians. Hello, Greg Nibbler. Uh, hello, sir. Is that m- going to be uh, my intro music that we're talking yes. about? Uh, okay. We're yeah, going to uh, Rick's good at making like mound houses. Yeah, maybe I'll find like the Futurama theme or something and then Nibbler, 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 whatever, blah, 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 blah. Do you ever get, I hate to ask this, uh, Greg Nibbler, your real name, do you ever get, um, of course you got Jolly Green Giant stuff. Jolly Green Giant stuff. Oh, yes, yes, the... Uh, Yes, I have. Because the little kid was Sprout, but wasn't there a character? Tim, wasn't there a Jolly G- uh, Green Giant uh, oh, Nibbler? Oh, oh. I thought it was a product that they had. Was it Nibbles or Niblets? Nibblers? There was uh, some kind of cheese cracker that was a Nibbler. No, no, no. That's... Well, now I don't even know. All right. Well, whatever. Uh, it's probably ju- it's probably just I've as probably well. I've probably heard it, it all. Uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, please now to repeat for everybody uh, what you told me during the break about Anna Faris. Uh, yes. She was very pleased with the interview, actually. <gasps> really? Yes, she was. She... Uh, said that uh, we were more considerate than most of the other places that she had talked to today. Well, that's because uh, we're a breed Oh, don't apart. make his ego any bigger. <laughs> you know, hey, it's I... because the show isn't about us. It's about the guests. Yes, and the it's people. It's all for the yes. people. It's for the people. Uh, you know, it, hey, did I ever tell you that somebody named a baby after me? <laughs> really? Okay, you need to stop. It's right. true. No, no, no. I'll find the photo later. There was a, there was some couple, there was a couple in the audience. It's true. It, look, these are facts, Sarah. So this is a, these are these are facts, just as Tim reads news facts. No, there's a couple in Portland, big listeners, big fans of the show, and of me, Rick Emerson, and they named uh, their new daughter Emerson Ava. Absolutely true. That's all, that's after though, uh, somebody named their child Dylan Riley. Okay, but that's, oh, that is true. That but you all were having didn't it. You're I, having to share. And that was a couple of years ago. I mean, we're old school baby names. You're having to share a baby college, though. though. You know, you're splitting up a baby. I got I'd a baby rather all share my... a baby with Tim two years ago. We don't know if it's Siamese twins. Jump on the bandwagon. You have like a you have like a Solomon baby. Uh, you know what I mean? Where like each of you gets part of it. I got a whole baby to myself over here. I wish you I hadn't... realize how creepy that. I wish I hadn't said that just now. Uh, well, then, all right. Well, thank you, uh, Greg. I appreciate that. Yes, Glad to hear you. that uh, Anna Ferris liked me. Yay! I mean us. Me. We didn't say anything. That's right. It's it was all, all me. It's all you, you, you. Yes, yes, it is, Tim. It's always. Rick, Rick, Rick. Yeah, Nobody else matters. Well, babies aren't going to name themselves, sir. I mean, that's also true. That's a scientific fact, I would think. Here's your top five for Wednesday. Counting is marvelous. Counting's the best thing to do. Counting is happiness. Counting is ecstasy. I love to count, don't you? Here's Tim Riley with today's... Musical top five. So I'm going to be just as surprised as everyone because I didn't turn this over till now. So these, uh, just a little background here. Yeah. So yesterday I counted down what were, in my assessment, the five 
uh, whitest songs ever recorded. These are the five whitest songs uh, ever committed to vinyl. And I think they actually all were uh, committed to vinyl. I'm pretty confident in my list. You feel you feel like your list is good? Yes, I don't believe all of them are committed to vinyl, but... And I'll actually, uh, I'll tell you, just, just so you know, so my, uh, my list, real quickly, just by means of comparison, was Have You Never Been Mellow, Olivia Newton-John, Summer Girls, LFO, uh, I Dig Rock and Roll Music, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Sunshine, Lollipops, Rainbows, Leslie Gore, Up, Up, and Away, Fifth Dimension, and uh, Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter by Herman's Hermits. Tomorrow, Tim Riley's Top 5 Whitest. Today, Sarah X. Dillon presents the Five Whitest Songs Ever Recorded. In a quest to find the top five whitest songs ever created, Sarah Dillon has put together these her personal top five whitest songs in this instance. An honorable mention going to L.E.N. If You Steal My Sunshine. All right. Good for you. Well done. The judges would also have accepted Smash Mouth. Oh, it has to be Len. Yeah, this is all from the horrible period music. This sounds really good. These guys touring with LFO? No, no, no. They probably did. They are probably the opener. And in the video, they're all sitting on matching scooters, but they're all white boys and wife beaters with, like, tilted hats and sunglasses. Well, like, doing a lot of hand motions toward the camera. Really? Oh, yeah. Are they attempting to perhaps be more street than they are? No, and they're a scooter gang, which you know. <laughs> Nothing's tougher when you're a hardcore white boy in California than a scooter gang. That's like having a, that's like having a mime gang. It's like, this is CC, 49cc scooter. Oh. It's like a gang of Frenchmen. Wow, I've heard this forever. Doesn't this seem like this is from a Lifesavers commercial or something? Yeah, oh no, and this song's so white because it's just all these like sad little, all these sad little white boys rolling around trying to look tough and they come out with a song like from this. From Orange County. It, and it seems like this is like, this is like the montage that they use in a Capri Sun commercial. Oh, totally. And then like, like some teenage girls giggling at the boys and how silly they are. Sarah Dillon's five whitest songs in existence. Number five, Michael Bolton and Time Love Tenderness. Yes, excellent. Time Love Tenderness. Wow. I'm sorry. And this is him showing his edgier side because he's not afraid of that hip-hop beat. And it's like with that bad orchestral stab that is in every hip-hop song. I had to uh, I had to play this as a job. I have to say, I like Michael Bolton. Oh, man. I've... You say that you can't go on. Oh. I love when he hits the minor notes up here. Ready? How do you know those are minor notes? Because I play the piano. I can You know stuff. I don't know that. I have no idea. I don't, here, don't call about this. I don't even know what a minor note is, by the way. I don't even know. Don't email. Don't call. I don't care. Well, I don't care. Concern you. No, it doesn't affect me at all. Please don't bother me with that information. I forgot the song even existed until just now. In a soft rock and way. Nobody messes with Michael Bolton. The fire when love puts you to the test. Come on now. All of us know it. Tim Riley. Makes you want to bomb Time, love, and tenderness. I wonder if people find this more or less horrifying than the vomit sounds. Let's play them simultaneously. <laughs> Time, love, and tenderness. Well, well done. All right. These are the five whitest songs in existence, according to Sarah Dillon. Number four is Meatloaf. I do anything for your love. Oh, yeah, no, totally. Yeah, no, that's, I could see that. Because it is. You stop that, Meatloaf. Meatloaf, you stop that right now. Come inside. Okay, and this one, yeah. Wipe your feet. He's just like, you know, this obese, very talented, you know, guy who, like, molests all these supermodels in this video. like Sexy molesting. Sexy molesting. Not, not call the police molesting. 
well, the police were called because he's really? an evil creature in the video. This is really, really white, this. and you can tell because it sounds like it's something uh, that was uh, written by the like the assembled local fan club to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I still watch this video like once every couple. Great weeks. song! It's a really, truly great song. Yeah. Man, I unashamedly love meatloaf. Oh, God, me too. Anybody who doesn't like meatloaf, uh, they can eat one. That's what they can do. All right, these are the five widest songs in existence, according to Sarah Dillon. Number three, new kids on the block. Popsicle. Oh, totally. Uh, uh, It's not popsicles and icicles. Plain old popsicle. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's like an intestinal noise there at the beginning. It's after you haven't eaten for about three hours. One too many burritos, too. This is one of my first tapes. Wow. Oh, let it build. Now, the irony is this song, written by a black guy. Were most of their songs? Uh, yeah, with Maurice Starr. Yeah. He was the sort of, he was the Sven Gali uh, behind these guys. And uh, here's the other thing. Most of the New Kids on the Block songs, at least the early ones, full-on rip-offs of, uh, of New Edition songs, which were themselves ripped off from the Jackson 5. Why did you pick this song as opposed to the many other New Kids on the Block songs? I don't know. This one just spoke to me. It's very childish. Can you pick them out by voice? Yeah, that's Joey singing. Wow. I didn't think you could really do that. Oh, no. That's Joey? Yeah, that's Joey. That's Jordan. Still Jordan. Joey. Let me ask you this. So Danny Wood is the ugliest of the new kids. Yes. But would you have relations with him if you had the chance? Mm. Just to say you did. If he, him, if you knew he the would, way he looked, like, no, like in now. 1992? And if, no, no, like now. And if you knew that you would... Ne- if, you, if, like, if it was proven to you, like, they showed you the future, and, like, this is your only chance to hump a new kid. You will never get any of the other ones, ever. It's Danny Wood now, today, or never. I think I would have to pass. Really? Yeah, I'd pass. I'd Interesting. Pass. Yeah. Well, that surprises me, actually. Oh, good for you oh, for having you. morals and whatever. <laughs> I mean, that just that surprises me. It surprises you that I wouldn't want to have sex with Danny Wood. <laughs> but, I mean, if you never got to have sex with any of the other new kids ever. Why, why would that be important to me? <laughs> because they're the new kids on the block. Oh, come on. Like, you don't have a list of celebrities that you... Uh... Yeah, it doesn't involve new kids on the block. That See, that does surprise me. They were such a big part of your life, Sarah. Well, I love Donnie Wahlberg. But even now, he's kind of hideous looking. I don't, I'm not attracted to him anymore. So Especially you wouldn't do it now? All, no, but their comeback tour and watching them all dance around like idiots. If, Danny, if, if, if Donnie Wahlberg was here and offered to take you out... Well, I guess maybe I'd have to meet him. Like Maybe Danny Wood's completely charming in person, and then I would change my mind. But just from what I know of him now, I'd... No. Yeah, maybe well. just for coffee. Yes. That's the uh, the Grand Theft Auto version. Uh, all right. Uh, Sarah Dillon's five whitest songs ever recorded. Number two, Bread, Baby, I'm a Wanderer. Yeah. Good for you. Well done. Good call. Let's see this black and white album cover in my mind forever. Talk it up. Tim, can you talk it up? Of course I can. Here's Bread and Baby, I'm a Wanderer. K-U-F-O, baby. Baby, I'm a Wanderer. That's the only time that sentence has ever been said. Baby, I need you. You're the only one I care enough. Look at my bushy blonde mustache. 
blonde mustaches are kind of creepy. Yes, yes, they are. This guy, David Gates, he kind of looks a little bit like, uh, what's his name, Job from the Lawnmower Man himself. Look at my dirty dishwater blonde hair. This song is spongy. It is. It is it, it, the song. Your hands in my body hair, ladies. <laughs> this is the 70s, isn't it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. I don't think I could possibly. Uh, I don't think I could possibly top that. Sarah Dillon's five whitest songs in existence. Number one, Rod Stewart. Do you think I'm sexy? Oh, totally. Good call. I win with this one. I, I would. This is the ultimate white. I would never have known that you were even that familiar with this song because why would you be? Because it sucks. I mean, no, but it's kind of great. I've been in a so proud of this. Way. Yeah, I, I win with this one. Oh no, this is yeah. You're no, you're the. Yeah. I mean, uh, have to wait and see what Tim brings tomorrow. But this is. God, he wants to have the sleaziest song ever. Oh, God, he's just sleazy. And on the cover of this, isn't he wearing, like, lipstick? And he's, like, uh, lipstick and red, like, red latex clothing or something? Ugh. Wow. I haven't heard this forever. Hello, we're retards. And we're going to balance that out with this. We will take caller number 10 right now for a pair of tickets to see Pennywise as part of the Jägermeister... It sounds so inappropriate. <laughs> the Jägermeister Music Tour. Man. Rock and stuff. <laughs> uh, the Jägermeister Music Tour coming to the Roseland April 14th. We will take caller 10 at 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. You will also win a Pennywise skate deck, and you'll be entered into a grand prize drawing for a Jägermeister tap machine, a custom Jägermeister guitar, PV amplifier, JVC, HD radio, and more. Winner must be 21 or over, but we will take caller 10 right now. It's the Rick Emerson Show. The Rick Emerson Show returns. Where's that gay porn that I left in here? This is Rock 101 KUFO. What's happening, baby? How the heck are you? My name is Tony. Did you care to dance? No? Hey, calm down. Let me get you another pina colada. I mean, what did we join this exclusive disco club for anyway, you know? I mean, it costs $100 to join and we're supposed to dance. Don't you like my white three-piece suit, my gold coat spoon, gold razor blade, and gold Italian snaggle tooth, you know? Come on, please dance with me. I wear tight pants, I always stuff a sock in. It always makes the ladies start to talk in. My shirt is open, I never use the buttons. Though I look hip, I work for EFHUD. So this is a callback in like a hundred ways here. So this is, uh, we typically shy away from any sort of parody song. Uh, this is a guy named Steve Dahl. And Steve Dahl's a legendary, or uh, was a legendary Chicago uh, DJ, and Susan Reynolds uh, worked with Steve Dahl extensively uh, in Chicago, and he is kind of a big deal uh, out there, a little lesser known in the rest of the country, but certainly uh, in and around the Chicago area, Steve Dahl was kind of the, uh, he was the, uh, he was the S, as, uh, as the young people say. And Steve Dahl had this band called Teenage Radiation, 
And, you know, it, it, like every DJ at one time or another has recorded and released a parody song. But Steve Dahl was one of the guys who really did uh, raise it to an art form. And then he became notorious, infamous for a thing called the Disco Demolition, which uh, a lot of people haven't, don't remember, haven't heard about. And the Disco Demolition was a thing that happened at, can't I remember what, where it was. It was some, uh, I'm a bad, uh, I'm a bad sports person, but it was like you know one of those like Comiskey Park places where they got a whole bunch of uh, disco records out in the middle of the field, and the thing was it was 1979, like the height of the disco era, and they got all these disco records in the middle of the field, and at halftime they were gonna like blow them up, and they did, and it just sent thousands of records worth of shrapnel into the audience, and uh, I believe caused a whole lot of maimings, and uh, his uh, career uh, it took a while to recover from that. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, Steve Dahl. All right, uh, Sarah Dillon, uh, what shall we uh, what shall we do here? So we uh, go to our friend uh, Tim Riley and see what was happening in the news, or is that coming up straight ahead? That's coming up straight ahead. All right, Tim Riley, prepare those headlines. All right, I'll do that right now. Craft them. Uh, I'm going to start uh, all over hone again. Hone them. I will. Lovingly right caress now. them. Yes. And so forth. The Rick Emerson Show resolves next with Tim Riley. It's the Rick Emerson show. Let's please believe me when I say that the thing there was a, a misunderstanding that happened during the break, That's, in which I believe a listener's wife was confused with a large hairy animal of which we were sent a photo. I thought it was the same cover. So. No, no, a different, a different no, listener. No, no. Well, just to put some distance between that and that. Yeah. Let me just read this email, Rick. Listen to this. Rick, yesterday on your five whitest songs list, you misidentified the mamas and the papas as Peter, Paul, and Mary. This is when I played uh, I Dig Rock and Roll Music. This is Jay and Newberg. That is true. No, no, no. Jay and Newberg, you have misidentified your answer with something that's correct, uh, because it's not the case. Um, that is... Uh, now, did the Mamas and the Papas do a version of it, or did they perhaps write the song? Because the version I played is Peter, Paul, and Mary. That mm-hmm. I Dig Rock and Roll Music, that mm-hmm. is Peter, Paul, and Mary. So, I'm confused Because he sings, that. I dig the mamas and the right. papas, right? Yeah, but because exactly. he references the mamas yeah. and the papas, who themselves reference, they reference themselves they in their own songs. They may have a version of that, because I remember hearing that somewhere. But then that was the era when everybody did a version of everything, yes. right? So uh, I'm just saying, I take these things seriously. So, uh, the, uh, Rick so that Emerson, may very well be true, but not in that case. Well, it, it's true that they may have done a version of it. So I'm just saying, we take these things seriously. While we have made mistakes from time to time in the top five, there was this unfortunate moment when I identified one as being the final song in Injustice for All when it's Dyer's Eve and I kind of had it flopped in my head and I immediately looked and like a poser. you could sleep for two days. No, and I had to be like, I love Metallica! <laughs> Cliff Burton, puss head! You know, or just you know, just throwing out Metallica references. So uh, this, Jay and Newberg, is an instance where you are incorrect. I am solely and totally accurate. So just uh, think on that tonight. Well, before we're done, can I also wish a happy nine-year anniversary to one of our longtime listeners, sure. John yes. and Kathleen. Kathleen's lovely. Kathleen is lovely. Yes, no, it's true. Happy anniversary, John. Happy anniversary. Tim Riley, what were today's biggest headlines? Well, I'm glad you asked. One of them is a breaking story. These pirates who took over an American ship off of Somalia have been thrown overboard. So Yay. don't try to do that again. iTunes uh, promised to give us a big price hike. Well, now most of the songs are buck twenty nine. And Levi Johnson continues to trash the Palin family on every talk show imaginable. I think he'll be Palin for that later. I think so, too. I'm sorry, that wasn't a good one. Hey, I thought you were going to go with, like, Impaler no, or something. Nah, Vlad the Impaler. Paliner. No. Oh, it was Comisco, It was Comiskey Park, Chicago's Comiskey Park, 1979. Uh, ensuing mayhem for the disco demolition caused a, a near riot. We should try to start a near riot somewhere. Let's put that on our list of things to do. Americans right. don't riot. They sit there and take it. That's right, Tim. 
Uh, Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for Rock 101 KUFO in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Greg Nibbler, the gatekeeper, is Dave's in the webmistress. Bridget from upstairs, C-Base Radio Portland Marketing Guru. Susan Donaff with me, Reynolds. Executive producer Christopher J. Paddock. We want to thank Harold Herano, uh, as uh, well as Anna Ferris, uh, CNN Radio correspondents Amanda Moyer, and James Roop. Ladies and gentlemen, join us tomorrow when our guests will include Mr. Skin from MrSkin.com. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Rick Emerson. It is April uh, 6, 2009, and that is the Frequency Kenneth. See you all tomorrow. Bye.